When most people think of Italy, they think of a broad and diverse architectural style, such as the Leaning Tower of Pisa, or the deep, rich history of art and culture, like the works of da Vinci or Michelangelo. Or they think of high fashion, like Gucci or Armadi. But when horror fans think of Italy, they think of zombies, cannibals, black-gloved killers, eye-gouging, and a shit ton of Jaws ripoff movies. The Great Italian Ripoff on this episode of Attack of the Killer Podcast. Attention planet Earth and beyond. Stay tuned for Attack of the Killer Hello! It is time to raise the roof. What, what? <laughs> whoop, whoop. Because it's time for another episode of Attack of the Killer Podcast. I am your host, Insane Mike. And I'm also the reason for you to get out of bed in the morning. Oh, that's why. That's right. <laughs> now, it probably comes as no surprise to you people out there that I am a huge Italian horror film fan. What? Love Italian horror. And... There is a subgenre of sorts in Italian horror that some consider to be the bottom of the barrel. Um, that the films that uh, blatantly rip off themes, plots, music, even footage from other movies. And this episode, we will be discussing these beloved gems. <laughs> we'll, uh, in our episode that we call The Great Italian Ripoff. So. On Attack of the Killer podcast, we openly discuss these films within the topic, and we just freely discuss them because we're we're five people, we're five friends, just sitting around talking movies. So there will be spoilers. So don't say I didn't warn you. I was gonna say sorry. The thing on this episode is we're actually going to be spoiling better American movies. That <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. If, Good if point. If we spoil this, uh, you know, any of these Italian movies, you're probably better off. <laughs> Like, we watched them so you didn't have to. <laughs> anyway, so Attack of the Killer Podcast is also a proud member of the Phantom Podcast Network. So if you go to downrightcreepy.com backslash phantom, you can check out our show and many other amazing podcasts on the network. So now, before we get into our show, it's time to introduce you to the podcast crew. He just got done with a full Italian dinner. He really loves balls in his mouth. And he thought the spaghetti and meatballs were good, too. John Stalter, everybody. <laughs> Hi, everybody. Mm, balls. <laughs> Next up, they say he's got a singing voice like Pavarotti. Rotting. Sam Hayes, everybody. <laughs> Ciao. <laughs> too soon? Too soon, Pavarotti's been dead since 2006. Anyway, <clears throat> he does this great trick at parties that we call the anthropogus. Anthropog. Oh, shit. The anthropogus, where you rip out your own intestines and eat them. Brian Clark, everybody. They're delicious. Next up, he's just happy I didn't put Bruno Mattei's Rat's Night of Terror on our film list. Jason Bollinger. So happy. So happy. <laughs> Although it's better than some of the turds I've watched. Anyway, what's up? 
And lastly, at least she shaves her armpits. Terry Turfer. <laughs> or do I? Hey, everybody. Uh, sadly, Dustin Neal couldn't be with us tonight. He's being punished for thinking a remake of Suspirio is a good idea. So... <laughs> So before we get, before we continue, this episode is brought to you by our Patreon supporters. Thanks to their gracious donations, we can continue to uh, do the show and improve the show. So you too can donate to our Patreon. Um, and your donations will not go unrewarded. So if you go to patreon.com backslash AOTKP, you can see various perks that you will get for donating. So... Donate today. All right. How's everybody feeling? Everybody good? Lucy Goosey? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Ready to talk about some amazing Italian films? Well, <laughs> always ready. You for and that. your adjectives, I swear. All right. Well, we're going to wait just a little bit longer because first we got to do some killer news. Now it's time. And unfortunately, it's sad. (laughs) March 14th, we lost Jack Harris, the ripe old age of 98. Uh, Who is that, you may ask, because he was a behind-the-scenes man, but among other things, he's the guy we have to thank for John Carpenter. He is the one who picked up Dark Star uh, and released it theatrically. He also produced such classics as The Blob, uh, such not-so-classics as Beware the Blob, (laughs) and one of my favorites of his, Dinosaurus. Not dinosaurs, Dinosaurus. It's a silly little stop-motion dinosaur romp from 1960, and it's a lot of fun. Oh, and he also uh, produced Schlock, so we have him to thank for John Landis as well. Sweet. He was a was sort of one of those behind-the-scenes legends, but he, uh, he had a good long life and uh, did a lot of great things for our side of show business. And then on March 18th, we also lost another icon, Bernie Wrightson. Uh, he had to retire from drawing sometime late last year because of a battle with brain cancer that took his ability to draw and he had to stop doing conventions and uh, he finally lost that battle just a few days ago. In 1968 he drew his first professional comic book story, The Man Who Murdered Himself, for a uh, DC anthology magazine called House of Mystery. He also worked on some uh, Marvel horror anthologies such as Chamber of Darkness and Tower of Shadows. Uh, And then in 1971 he co-created Swamp Thing, which is probably one of his most famous uh, creations. He also did a a very well-known as in, even if you didn't know what it was from, if you've you've probably seen pictures from this, an illustrated version of Frankenstein, which Mike and Jason and I actually got to see some of the original pages from uh, when we were at the Guillermo del Toro exhibit mm-hmm. last weekend. I used to have a copy of that. That that's what's so weird about it because we just we just we just saw his stuff and looking. he was 
already top of mind uh, to me that that weekend. It's a huge fan of his art. Beautiful stuff. Great detail. He can. No one can draw monsters like him, and he's also the best. What I what I call as drawing rot, like his <clears throat> zombies and stuff, and just the flesh hanging off and stuff, like no other. Now, I and, think every person who's drawn rotting zombies since Bernie Wrightson did it for those uh, EC comics type horror anthologies. I mean, everyone just does his style because, like you said, it's never been done better. Yeah, I mean, and think about what what that has inspired. You know, EC Comics. You got like Creep Show. You know, yeah, and uh, he did the artwork for Creep Show. <laughs> that's right. He did the artwork for Creep Show. Um, Return of Living Dead was highly inspired by by his works, and you know, as far as the uh, the art design of that film. So, <clears throat> yeah. Um, and when I think of when I think of Bernie Wrightson, I think of like Creep Show, Swamp Thing. He also did the covers for George Romero's Toe Tag comic series for DC. Oh, nice. Um, yeah, and uh, and I'm also always been a huge fan of horror anthology books like House of Mystery, House of Secrets, and then like Creepy and Eerie magazines back in the day. And the thing is, is like no, as a child. Um, I had never been so fearful of comic book art than I was of Bernie Wrightson's work. So he is a beautiful, amazing artist, and it's it's such a shame. And it's just again so because when I, we got home from that trip, I pulled out some some comics that I have of of Bernie Wrightson's art and reread some of those to kind of. You know, kind of look back at his work, and it's just so crazy. A couple of days later, he, he passed away. It's weird. Yeah. Well, I guess we could talk a little bit about that exhibit uh, to make things a little happier. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's it's still in Minneapolis. It'll be there through the first week in May. So uh, if uh, if anyone out there listening is is in our sort of neck of the Midwestern woods and wants to go see some amazing stuff, head on up to the Minneapolis Institute of Arts and check out uh, At Home with Monsters, the Guillermo del Toro exhibit. It's a collection of you know, of props and, and concept art from his movies, uh, paintings and artwork that he has collected over the years, such as those Bernie Wrightson pages we were talking about, um, memorabilia. There's one room that one entire wall is nothing but uh, monster comics and horror magazines, mm-hmm. um, and and being able to see, you know, the, the coat and the gun and some of the you know Cronin's mask and some of the props from Hellboy was uh, pretty pretty awe inspiring. There's just so many great things about that exhibit. Uh, we went through it. It took us, I think, about an hour to go through. It felt like we were in there for five minutes, um, and you could yeah. probably you could probably go through it a dozen more times and see new things every time. It's just amazing. Yeah, absolutely. It was so much fun and so cool because it's like you know, like the reason why Del Toro was collecting these things is that these are his influences, and this is the st- and you and you just you could tell just by watching his films, you could see you could it. It wasn't. There was nothing on those walls that surprised me, as far as the the stuff he had collected that was influential to his work. You know, anything from like 
you know, the Bernie Wrightson art. He had some Arkham stuff up there. Oh, nice. Um, yeah, uh, a lot of a lot of there was like a whole little section about H.P. Lovecraft. Um, he even had some like original, like Walt Disney concept art from like Sleeping Beauty and stuff like that. That was like this makes sense to me. It totally makes sense to me that even Disney would be influential to his work. Well, yeah, um, yeah. Uh, he had the, my favorite was like he had these like cool life sized wax statues of of three of the characters from Freaks. Oh yeah. And like and on the opposite wall to that there was like a whole display of like human oddities and freaks from different freak shows and some of the more famous ones and whatnot. And then and then across from that was like a uh, a glass cabinet that had like a bunch of like Weird shit in jars. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Sculptures of like tumors and weird shit like that. You know, <clears throat> it was it was an amazing thing. And then the rain the rain room thing. I totally oh, want to do that in my house. Yeah, he he has this room in in Bleak House called the Rain Room, which he and a couple of effects engineers he knows designed to be in a perpetual rainstorm, so that the windows are video screens with. Uh, runnels of water pouring down them and there's this sort of just low rumble soft in the distance thunderstorm constantly playing over the surround sound and the patter of rain on the windows and and that's where he does uh, a large majority of his creative work his writing and his drawing and stuff and my god that would just be so peaceful and centering and such an amazing thing to have and i'm jealous (laughs) yeah yeah that's a brilliant idea Oh shit! It was colder in that room too, right? Like just in, a it little. Kind of felt like it, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I think it was because of the Edgar Allan Poe statue, because uh-huh. in the in the room with the Lovecraft statue and the uh, the Frankenstein display and the Freaks display, it was always a little colder around there, and I I think they just had cold yeah. air focused on those statues to keep them mm-hmm. from getting runny. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Um. Like yeah, and I I was I was fascinated by the comic book wall just in the fact that like those were comics from when I was a kid, like seventies and early eighties comic books, and so you know that's like this is the stuff he was reading when he was when he was a little kid as well, and the the thing that really caught my eyes yeah there was there was some comics there from Tomb of Dracula, Marvel Comics Tomb of Dracula. He didn't have the exact issue up there, but that's where Blade first appeared. His first appearance was in Tomb of Dracula. And so like to think of like this is a a, a boy growing up, a fanboy of comic books and horror movies and and all things weird and creepy to grow up to get to you know, make that same kind of art, and but not only that, like get handed a property because it's not like Hellboy. How like you know he's probably a fan of Hell, obviously a fan of Hellboy before he made the movies, but it's not like he grew up on Hellboy. But he grew up on Marvel Comics and Tomb of Dracula and whatnots, and to get handed the Blade property to make Blade Two. I don't know. That just had to have been like an amazing, surreal experience for him. Like I remember reading this character when I was a kid, and now did I get to make a movie. 
Yeah. Did you see the uh, the concept art and the storyboards that Mike Mignola did for him for Blade Two that were in mm-hmm. one of the corners of that room? That was oh, cool. Oh yeah, very cool. But, uh, were you doing the same thing I was doing when we walked into that <laughs> section and just looking at all of them, going, "Does he have the same ones I have to like?" And I, <laughs> I found a, a few. Of, yeah. He had a bunch of issues of weird science, the old, uh, you know, weird science fiction uh, or mag, yeah. and. Uh, I, I don't have the same ones he does, but I've got a few of those too, so I was looking for those. But we do have some of the same issues of uh, Doctor Strange from the mid-70s, so that was kind of neat to nice. see. <laughs> yeah, I found a few of them that I had as well. I'm like, oh, I've got that one! <clears throat> very, yeah, it's very Here's cool. Here's an interesting story, uh, Guillermo del Toro story. I don't, I don't think I've told this on here before, so, but if I have, tell me to shut the fuck up. <laughs> when I got the DVD of the first Hellboy, as it came out when... I was in college in 2004, right? Is that when that came out? Sounds about right. I I remember I was sitting in my dorm room listening to the commentary track with with him and Mike Mignola discussing the movie. And at one point in the commentary, he just gave out his email address. Like, hey, hey, if anyone wants to talk about monsters. And I thought, oh, well, I'll see. Because I had thought of a question while I was watching the movie, which was why, instead of using the original Nick Cave or, uh, original Nick Cave version of Red Right Hand, did he go with this cover version? And so I thought, well, what the hell? I'll just send him a you know a little quick question, and we'll see. The next fucking day, I got a response from him, explaining explaining like, oh well, I I did that because. I love that song, and it's obviously fitting for Hellboy, but the original song had been used in so many movies, and a lot of times not even in a particularly uh, relevant manner, that I thought if I was going to do that, I should at least change it up and use a different version to make it you know, stand out a little more. So, yeah, that was kind of neat. <laughs> I'm, sure these, cool. I'm sure these days I would not get a response anymore. But. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure he's gotten rid of that email by now. <laughs> so cool. That's, very That's cool. pretty fucking awesome. Makes me How the hell I'm... did I not know that, Brian? Yes. I don't know, because you don't listen to commentary tracks, loser. <laughs> Touche. I do, so that one, is, that one escaped me, damn it. <laughs> Jason, what do you have to add about the experience? It was really neat. <laughs> do you have a favorite piece that's stood oh, out Oh, man. I, I enjoyed a lot of the Frankenstein stuff, obviously, but... Uh well the fawn was fucking just incredible like I oh, I stared detail. at it forever and I like still just would catch new stuff every time and I posted a little video of it and I'm like gosh dang that's so cool the detail work on that with the twigs and the moss and I mean it even had a little uh even had a little stick penis yes of course <laughs> that's where you're looking <laughs> it's right there it was right there. Uh, it was amazing. He had wood. It was amazing. <laughs> <sighs> uh, can't take him anywhere, can you? <laughs> no, you really can't. So at, least, <laughs> at least he didn't try to touch it. I wouldn't uh, be so sure of, of that. Yeah. You re- you realized I was away from you guys for a good chunk of the, the time, right? <laughs> That's true. <laughs> you don't know what I was doing. Yeah. Because I had awesome. to stand in that one room forever and wait for you to catch up so that I could see your face when you saw the Phantom of the Paradise mask. Oh, that was awesome. It's like, oh, yes, I'm, there is somebody else in this world that likes that movie. Nice. 
All right, cool. Uh, any other killer news or? Uh, I th this just in. <laughs> Ooh, late breaking story. Yeah. Bruce Campbell has a new book coming out called Hail to the Chin, Further Confessions of a B-Movie Actor, which fills in all the time after his first autobiography, If Chins Could Kill. And he's going on a book signing tour. The book comes out August 15th. And uh, he's going to be in, I believe, Iowa City for uh -huh. one of the tour dates. I, I don't, don't, have the date don't have the date here in front Sorry of me. But September <laughs> sometime. There you go. She's so got a got, tattooed on her arm. I was going to say, I've got plenty of time to get on that. If I so. don't get fucking tickets for that, I swear to God. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I, I smell an uh, AOTKP road trip. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> Let's get him on the show. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's just going to be him saying, <laughs> fuck off. <laughs> if, even if you could just bring your phone and hit the sound recorder and just have him like lean over the table like, hey, will you just say I'm Bruce Campbell and you're listening to Attack of the Killer podcast? That would be enough. Would be It'd awesome. probably be I'm Bruce Campbell and I'm calling security. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that, that would be even better. Yes. Be. Get out of my way, nerd. Hey, if the people if the people who made Barn of the Blood Llama got Clive Barker to record an entire bit on camera at a book signing for their <laughs> shitty little movie, <laughs> we can probably get him to say that for five seconds. I mean, or at least punch Mike. <laughs> and you know, yeah. it, it doesn't doesn't matter what he would say; it all counts. A signature on a restraining order is still an autograph. That's right. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, that's awesome. That's cool. Let's go. Got awkward. <laughs> anyway, so should we get into some of these amazing films? Oh yeah, we got something to talk about. We do. Yeah, do we have amazing films to talk about. Yes, yeah, every, every really amazing. single one of them. Okay, <laughs> where do we start? I kind of want to make Terry start. <laughs> then, duh, make Terry start. Okay, okay, Terry, why don't you start us off? Well, I watched one and a half. Of them. Oh, come on. <laughs> I'm sorry. I was having such a hard time watching these movies. Do you know how many of these movies Brian and I own? Um, and have seen literally every single one of them multiple times. The fact yeah. I have watched Zombies the Beginnings or Beginning more than once. I'm pissed because I couldn't find that one. And I watched the trailer, and then there was some guy who does review of. Italian films. He did a video on it and showed a lot of clips. I'm like, I gotta see this fucking movie, and I couldn't find it. Except you don't. But anyway, back. that that one I haven't seen multiple times. I had to unwrap my DVD of it to watch it for this. But anyway, Terry's like, hey, remember that time I was uh, talking about something? Yeah, sorry. <laughs> well, we can talk about the one that I finished, which was <laughs> Killer Crocodile. Killer Crocodile. <laughs> At least you finished a good one. That's right. <laughs> yeah, because the end of that movie is really the part that counts. Yeah. The rest of that movie is just shite, but oh my god, that ending. My favorite part is actually at, toward the beginning, um, you know, with all the dubbing and everything, and then the guy's sitting there playing guitar while the, his girlfriend's getting into the lake, oh. and the guitar <laughs> is, like, dubbed... As, I laughed pretty like, hard at that. As a musician, like I, I mean, I already get really irritated when they're not anywhere close to being. You know, most aren't that close. Like that thing was just 
fucking awful. It was bad. Oh my god. He's like finger picking. Like the, the actual sound of the guitar is finger picking and he's like strumming. Yeah, like, oh my exactly. god, I'm gonna fucking kill this guy. This is the worst thing ever. Oh, just thinking about it. Boils yeah. my blood. It's pretty funny. Um, I don't know. It's just, I mean, it wasn't that great. I don't know. It was <laughs> that uh, was my favorite part. So spoiler alert, none so of them. So Terry Terry tells me she's like, I finally watched one. I'm like, that's awesome. <laughs> I'm glad you're doing it. And she's like, what is it? And she says, Killer Crackdown. She was just like, ugh, god. And I'm like, no, that's the best one. You think that one's bad? Oh god. <laughs> At least that wasn't a Bruno Matai movie. Exactly. Exactly. Who did direct Killer Crocodile? Uh, Killer Crocodile was directed by Fabrizio De Angelis under oh, the okay. pseudonym of Larry Ludman. Okay. okay. <laughs> that is such a generic name. Now, the crocodile is fa- is obviously fake looking as what? shit, but I Bullshit. love it. But the croc is pre- it's pretty awesome. It is oh, pretty awesome. The design like of the, the croc uh, is kick ass. I think he looks eyes. great. I like the shot of like the claw like going into the water and like pulling away. It's really awesome. Absolutely. Or claw or paw, whatever the fuck you call it. <laughs> Crocodile's hand. Crocodile paw. <laughs> new band John starting. <laughs> so, are we all in agreement that this movie's ripping off Jaws, right? Ye- oh my god, yes. Yeah. There are... <laughs> Throwing the propeller into the... The crock at the end there is oh, nice. That's fucking awesome. It, yeah, it, it explodes be- not because it makes sense, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because the shark and jaws exploded. So yeah, so uh, I I got to talk about the ending of this movie because it made me so <laughs> happy. Because there's it it, it 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 it's so ludicrous and it follows the one genuinely effective shot in the movie where. Uh, where our, our mighty hero Kevin has <laughs> has gone out onto the water with 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 the Quint analog character who's just called Joe, and they're they're gonna finally they've decided to kill the crocodile because he's a hippie activist. They're they're trying to his group of friends are trying to uh, prove that some evil company is dumping toxic waste into the swamp around some unnamed Central American town, <clears throat> and. So the, he goes out with the Quint character to kill the croc. They find it, and it keeps ramming their boat. It's a recurring theme that these people can't fucking drive a boat because through the first 80 minutes of the movie, they're constantly running into something and going, oh, what did we hit? I mean, and it's it, and we, we as the audience know it's the croc hitting their boat, but they just seem to think that it's okay that their driver is just constantly running over logs and stuff. Like, he's not going to get them all killed. But anyway, <laughs> so they go out. The Joe character starts doing the, the same thing that Roy Scheider does in Jaws, stabbing the shark in the top of the head with the gaff hook. But he, he jumps off the boat onto its back <laughs> and rides it across the river, stabbing it as the crocodile is submerging with him standing on its back, so he's sinking down into the river, stabbing away. Because that's and that, what you do. Yeah, and that that's actually... Is. 
but yeah, that that was actually a really neat shot. You know, it was done in kind of a wide shot, so you you know you got some of the panorama of the forest and that, and you see him sort of sinking majestically down to his sacrificial death. And then, in reaction to that, Kevin goes back to the camp and gets his other buddy, who's I, I don't know what his name is, Todd or something. Who knows? Jimbo. Jimbo. And <laughs> and so there's like, okay, we got to kill this crocodile because the one badass hunter guy we know just got killed by it so us two limp-wristed city hippies definitely have a chance and the croc has 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 full-on bruised their boat at this point it has <laughs> ripped the hull out from under it their boat is sinking it's trying to climb up there and eat them and you hear this voice say hey kid you're gonna need this for luck and this hat comes sailing through the air. A hat. In slow motion. And Spinning. and Kevin catches it out of the air in this sort of, you know, this this slow motion slow scene that, motion. that I'm sure is meant to just make you jump up and go, yeah, but instead makes you go, the fuck? The <laughs> yeah. fuck? And, and it turns out that good old Joe got away from the crocodile and has been just sitting on shore, happily bleeding out from all of his crocodile bite wounds, <laughs> waiting for them to sail by so he can wing his hat out to Kevin in encouragement and tell him to get that crocodile and don't lose your cool. And he tells him don't lose your cool. And we know he's not supposed to lose his cool because he says it over and fucking over again. <laughs> so... <laughs> because they don't have any more weapons and their boat is sinking and they don't know what to do. Kevin pulls the outboard motor off the back of the boat and is desperately trying to rip start the thing on the pull cord while the crocodile is methodically chewing their boat out from underneath them. And at the very last minute, he gets it started and like shot puts the thing into the crocodile's mouth. It's and so this beautiful. Tiny little fucking twenty horsepower motor. Somehow, <laughs> yeah, not only that, but he uh, they must have had a throttle lock on it. Like I've never right. seen. Right, it just stays there like for like five yeah. It lands in the crocodile's mouth, <laughs> and because the propeller is still going, it acts like a drill and tunnels into the <laughs> crocodile's mouth, up <laughs> through its throat out the back of its fucking skull, and apparently the crocodile was full of nitroglycerin because as soon as that <laughs> propeller tumbles out the back of its head, the fucking thing erupts in a shower of gore. The whole goddamn thing explodes. Because like I said before, that's what happened to the shark and Jaws, so of course it does. Yes, yeah, I was so confused. Like I thought I missed something. Like Maybe they planted some... TNT or something earlier. Oh no! But nope. so it was literally just just because. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, you mix okay. propeller gas and crocodile blood, and it's yeah. explosive. You don't. You know. Maybe it was the gas and the crocodile with a cigarette. Or, <laughs> I don't know. It's amazing he didn't say "smile, you son of a bitch." I, I was waiting for it. <laughs> Some lines. <laughs> Now there are lots of other Italian Jaws ripoffs that oh yeah more more wholesale cut and paste 
Jaws onto their movie, and we'll talk about one a little bit later, I think. Yep, absolutely. But there are bits of this one that are as close as anything in those. The uh, This was no boating accident scene when the mayor... <laughs> The mayor has, uh, who's under the thumb of the evil company dumping the toxic waste that created the crocodile. Uh, that scene is practically a shot-for-shot shot remake, uh, a reshoot of the uh, of the scene in Jaws. But the the element that I think is most blatantly copied is actually the score. Now, the music for this movie was written by Grammy winner Riz Ortolani, who also did the music for Cannibal Holocaust. He won a Grammy for Mondo Kane. Uh, but I mean, and he wasn't above a bit of pilfering because that theme that he did, the main music for Cannibal Holocaust is minus a couple of, I think he added like a note here and there, but otherwise it's the theme tune from Mark of the Devil, oh. which, which was done mm. by a guy named Michael Holm. And I never picked up on that until I got the Mark of the Devil, uh, soundtrack LP maybe a year ago or so and we were listening to it at uh, one night we were playing tabletop games and that theme came on and I went what the fuck this is the cannibal holocaust music so I had to look it up like which one of these movies came out first like nope it, it uh, Riz Ortolani totally ripped this off damn but yeah anyway huh. wow <laughs> so yeah and, and so, Jason, you said that Killer Crocodile was one of the best ones you saw from this list. Yeah. yeah. I just, I, it was it was fun on a couple different levels. The mate, the, one of the fun levels was that Brian found out that I was watching it, so every five <laughs> minutes he'd be like, are you, to, are you to the end yet? Are you to the end yet? <laughs> and, like, he was just anxiously awaiting me to watch the setting, and I couldn't wait for it. But yeah, I mean, I just it's they 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 built this amazing scene where this hat comes flying out of the air. This big moment they build it up without doing any of that. They didn't do that at all. <laughs> they just they just had the end of this giant build up with yeah. You're just like what you did you guys forget to do the part where you build up to this? <laughs> you you put the really awesome moment in there. You just forgot to do any of the stuff that would have helped that. Yeah, I couldn't. I mean, I I knew it was bonkers from the minute he steps on the crocodile's back and rides it while he stabs it. I'm like, oh shit. Yeah, that was. I was like, what are you doing? What man? the fuck are you doing? <laughs> he like rides it like a fucking gondola. <laughs> yep. <laughs> right to his death. He should have been singing, when the moon hits your eye, yeah. like a big pizza pie, stabbing this croc to death. Yeah. <laughs> they should have, yeah, they should have just made the whole movie around that character. He's <laughs> he's just so colorful. He's got, like, this thick New York accent. Uh-huh. And he's, like, <laughs> I love, like, all, he just, like, hurls like a fuckload of insults at the crocodile he's, he's like, oh, yeah. come on you sucker you mother you overgrown polywog you know crocodiles are really sensitive if you insult them they, they get really angry <laughs> oh man oh that's great oh man uh, I'm just so glad I get to talk about the ending of this because I, 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 in an interesting uh, bit of 
concurrence. I also just wrote up an article on this for the Badasses Boobs and Body Count site. I was kind of following their house rules of don't spoil the end of the movie. I'm like, I really fucking want to tell everyone I meet about the end of this movie because it's so nuts. <laughs> that's the, so that's now, the price so of admission all right there. Man. Out. <laughs> the ending's worth the price of admission on that movie. Oh. That's what it's all about. Yeah, <clears throat> exactly. I will say, though, even though the rest of the movie does suck, they do... <laughs> <laughs> they they do uh you know deliver on the screen time you know you get a lot yeah, of alley crocs crocodile, cool. crocodile screen time yeah although yeah. you think if they were going to show it that much you think they could come up with something that looks a little bit better than like a fucking parade float decoration <laughs> right oh, shit, that, i mean it, it just old dead eyes yeah the crocodile's got dead eyes lifeless eyes like a doll oh wait it is a doll never mind yeah <laughs> Like, you see the inside of its mouth, and it just looks like crumpled up cheap plastic. Yeah. It's terrible. (laughs) How much money do you think he had to... So I had a thing somewhere, now I've lost it, about who the the effects guy who built that crocodile. And it's uh, somebody who's done some, some notable... Work of quality on other things. Here's ten dollars and some plastic bags. Do something. Yeah, yeah. Basically, I don't know. I I thought the croc was kind of neat. I I love of course Italian. I love Italian (laughs) monster movie monsters though, because yes, none of them are particularly realistic looking, but they all have this. They're all kind of not realistic looking in the same way. There's a very just like if you see a monster suit, you can tell like oh that's a japanese monster suit and it's not like a you know something from an american made movie and italian monsters are kind of the same way they all sort of have this lovable goofy uh they all look, they all look special like if you if you see has anyone seen the great alligator yes no. i think I was gonna say, of course one. not brian what? there's some amazingly shitty miniature work in that where you see the the great alligator swimming underwater and it is blatantly a a child's toy being pulled along under like a you know, <laughs> swimming pool on a string but for some inexplicable reason and there's a couple of shots where you get a look at its tail and it looks like it has a club like an ankylosaurus on the end of its tail <laughs> like wait what that's a weird decision so yeah they i don't know there's just this sort of uh uniform unreality <laughs> to italian <laughs> movie monsters that i don't know i love it for sure I just I love how like basically the moral of the story of this movie is like basically kill animals cause like the, the main characters start out as like these sort of you know anti killing activists what a, they're like environmental scientists or something and they're like no don't don't kill the animal it's you should study it you know and then at the end, they're just like, yeah, we got to fucking kill this thing. <laughs> like, fuck it. I don't know. <laughs> they might as well, though, because they're really, really bad at being environmental scientists. <laughs> like, yeah. when they first find the evidence they're looking for in that giant pile of toxic waste barrels in the middle of the swamp that have the biohazard and the, you know, the radioactive symbol on painted on the side of them, one of them puts on what I think we're supposed to believe is a radiation suit, but it's really just a rain slicker with, like, some goggles. Yeah, it's like a... And, and, yeah. and it's not sealed. He doesn't have a mask. 
It's, you know, there's nothing that would, his skin is exposed still, and he just jumps into the water and wades over to the big pile of barrels with a Geiger counter. It's like, yeah. well, it's got radioactive printed right on the fucking barrel. I don't right. think you need to go for a swim and climb on them <laughs> to tell. <laughs> and if and if you're going to do that, you might want to think about putting on some gloves, but I guess I'm no expert, so whatever. Yeah, they they are like the dumbest scientists ever. Oh yeah, amazing. But yeah, so uh, I mean, obviously, there's a lot of Jaws parallels, but do you guys think there's are like some other movies that it's pretty much blatantly ripping off, like Alligator? Like, uh, yeah, I was wondering, old. alligator. Um, like, the, like the very ending is like straight up like an alligator ripoff. Like you see the baby come out, and it's like dun dun dun. That's yeah, like yeah. straight up ripping off alligator. I think you mean dun dun, dun dun. <laughs> yeah, <clears throat> yeah. Um, you know, but alligator. You know, people say alligators rip off of Jaws as well, though. <laughs> you know. <clears throat> yeah, in some ways, but. And the whole thing with Alligator, which I love that movie, John Sayles. Um, what I love about that movie so much is you know, that movie had kind of like taken the old urban legend of flushing the alligator down the toilet um, and putting it putting it in a film. And so that's that's what it, it's like famous for in that regard. Mm-hmm. So kind of you know like it has more of the the urban city feel to it than like the jungle of of killer crocodile but with the ending and the baby and everything i i can totally see where, it, where you're coming from on that right and just like the the kill the killing children aspect oh yeah, yeah. they kind of relish killing little kids <laughs> totally well who doesn't anyway <laughs> Exactly. So, Terry, this is the one you brought up. You haven't said much. If you have anything else you uh, want to add to it, right? Because I have a letter. Sorry about that. That's uh, all right. Um, nope. <laughs> I have a feeling uh, Terry's going to be a little quiet on this episode. <laughs> Probably correct. <laughs> well, we'll be getting back to topics that uh, you can like talk about. Quit torturing you for a while. <laughs> It's not so much torturing, Terry. It's broadening your horizons. No, with, it's torture. <laughs> with, with other great cinema from around the world. <laughs> so, yeah. So, Killer Crocodile definitely is, you know, it, it it's not hiding the fact that it's a Jaws ripoff. But there's another movie that was on our watch list that doesn't even try to hide the fact that it's a Jaws ripoff, and that is The Last Shark, <laughs> which is so much of a Jaws ripoff that it was not available in the States for years because um, Universal sued the makers of this movie to keep it out of America because it is so much like Jaws. <clears throat> so much. Also known as Great White. And 
I'll do the synopsis of The Last Shark. Okay, ready? Have you seen Jaws? <laughs> no. There you go. <clears throat> what, what could be said about Last Shark? Anybody? Jason, that... Oh, man, I'm trying to remember it. You and I watched... Well, again, remember Jaws. Yeah. Um, we watched it with the riff tracks. Yeah, that helped. Which helped a lot. A lot. Yeah, see, I didn't have... If I had access to the riff track versions of some of these, I probably would have watched more of them. Oh, yeah. Well, it it came to uh, it came to my realization, especially after watching Robo War, which we'll get to later, that... Uh, um, the riff trackers need to do a lot more Italian films. Yeah, yeah I'm remembering more of the riff stuff than the movie stuff. <laughs> <laughs> well, anybody else want to bring up anything about Last Shark? It, <laughs> it, it, it's it's so much Jaws that. Uh, that I mean, everyone's seen this movie. They just haven't seen it with uh, Vic Morrow's amazing uh, shape-shifting accent, or, or with that many mustaches. Yeah. Oh, some... there's so many mustaches in this movie. It should have been called Last Mustache. Even even the shark has a mustache. That's right. I think so. In a scene or two. Absolutely. It's. The shark prop is so big that I'm I'm kind of impressed that uh, you know that they got it to work. The, yeah, well, as, I mean they... it, it, it doesn't well it doesn't look realistic, but what they do and you know it doesn't have to do a lot of stuff. It's not like a highly articulated piece of machinery. It just opens its mouth, yeah. but it, it's so goddamn big. I mean that thing's got to be hard to move around, and that they. They get it to submerge and, and come up out of the water a couple of times. Like, I don't know. You, <laughs> I don't usually think of uh, Italian ripoff movie film crews being that ambitious. Yeah, no kidding. But, yeah, <laughs> but you know, they they really did try. I mean, yes, it is it is the most ripoffy of all ripoffs, perhaps. <laughs> but uh, you know, they they put their money where their mouths were. They they tried to do something, even if it was something that somebody else did. <laughs> Yeah. Yep. Hey, hey, Terry. There, there's a Bollywood Jaws ripoff. <sighs> what? Does the shark whoa, 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 have a, have a musical number? I like number? Bollywood better than Italian, probably. <laughs> They're singing and dancing at the end. I'm game. Exactly. It's. I I haven't ever been able to find a full copy, but there's like a highlight clip reel of just all the shark stuff on YouTube, and it's pretty ridiculous. <laughs> Let's put it this way: the last shark is a much better Jaws ripoff than that. Is. <laughs> but uh, the riff tracks of it is great, though, of the last shark. Oh yeah, and that's, that's so funny. Th- there, uh, that is, to my knowledge, the only legitimate version of it that's available in the states right now. Because I've seen it mm-hmm. on YouTube before, is like you know somebody just uploaded it. But as far as like an official release that you can pay for to see. I mean, Universal did such a thorough job of suing this thing out of distribution in perpetuity that yep. I would almost guess that the only reason Rift Tracks was able to do it is like, no, but we're going to make fun of it. Yeah. <laughs> and Universal right. went, oh, okay, that's fine then. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, it's, it, it, I'm curious on what they have to go through with rights to some of the stuff they do for Rift Tracks, since mostly it's either A, just on their website, or B, on Amazon. You know? I mean, you can get some of their stuff on DVD, but it's mostly the public domain films. And then they'll turn around and you can watch Birdemic riff tracks. And I'm like, you know, how, what, what are the logistics on the rights with some of this stuff? But And, and the Birdemic one they did, I think there's a downloadable mm-hmm. MP3 one, and then they did the live one where you can watch it that's, you know, you actually see the movie while they're, they're talking. And yeah, mm-hmm. I don't know. It's, there's got to be some some fine print somewhere that says what they can and can't do with it. Yeah, yeah. Live ones are so good. Well, mm. They're in top form when they're doing it live, man. Yeah. Um, my favorite part of the riff tracks is that scene where they're in the mayor's office and the camera ang- the choice of oh, camera angles are fuck. so fucking bad <laughs> that that they they just can't stop riffing on the camera like what it's it's oh, it's the back of this one actor he walks and, around and, oh. and Mike's like Mike Mike's like doing the dialogue of the actor he's like here let me get out of the way of the camera and the actor moves and the camera follows the guy's back and he's like hey what are you doing <laughs> it, not a good shot scene yeah, that's horribly framed. That whole scene, every every choice of camera angle in that scene is so horribly framed. Yeah, I guess there's not that much to say about Last Shark. <laughs> Fair enough. Why is it? Why is it even called the Last Shark? Like, <laughs> I think it's a combination of Jaws was big, Last Starfighter was big at the time. I don't know. Let's call it Last Shark. <laughs> then they should have called it the Last Shark Fighter because that would have been a way better title. <laughs> yeah. Now, I, maybe it's the fact that like you've seen all those other shark movies, but this is the final. This is the final one. This is this is the end all be all sh- of shark movies. Until we make that Willard ripoff with Richard Jekyll, where he can kind of sort of mind control the sharks, and there's a whole lot of actual live shark abuse in it. Oh, what's the name of that one? Um, I don't remember. I just realized, like, shit, I'm, I'm bringing this up and I forgot the title. It's not Italian, though, so yeah, I, I, I can be forgiven for forgetting the title because it wasn't part of the yeah. <laughs> talking points for the episode. God dang, it's like almost, it's like right there. It begins with the T. Well, th- there's a, a Rene Cardona movie called Tintorera, but that's not the same movie. Hmm. That's, that uh, might be one of the, I don't know. Tinterera is actually like 85% a, a softcore Skinamax porn that just happens to have a couple of shark attacks in it. It's not a good movie. Hmm. Hmm. Well, and then my biggest problem that I've had with, with most of Italian cinema, uh, Italian horror cinema, especially with these ripoff movies more than any of the others, but like... I easily get confused with all the fucking alternate titles. <laughs> yeah. So, like, Jason asked me the other day if Cruel Jaws was one of them, or what, what the hell Cruel Jaws was, remember? And and I thought maybe this was it was another title for this movie, but no, it's Jaws... It's, it's a movie that's also known as Jaws 5, which came <laughs> way later than Last Shark. We're talking, like, 90s, I think, for Jaws 5. 
but it's not an, it's not officially Jaws Five. The Jaws franchise ended in 1987 with Jaws: The Revenge, which in itself that Jaws: The Revenge is actually worse than some Italian Jaws ripoffs. Oh, for sure, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> but uh, well, I think it was like Jaws. You got Jaws one through four, and then Jaws five, aka Cruel Shark in the States. But Jaws, I think it was called Jaws five in Italy. I think. Well, Again, and, all these titles, it just gets confusing. And that is, by and large, on purpose, too, because these movies would get re-released into drive-ins and different regions over and over again mm-hmm. with distributors giving them different titles to trick people to come back and buy another ticket for the same shitty movie they already fucked in the back uh-huh. of their car and didn't pay attention to the first time. Yeah. So. <laughs> a lot That happened a lot, a lot. Even in the States, that happened a lot. Like... Uh, mm-hmm. I remember they they did a um I think it was in the in the late 50s early 60s or something like that they did a, a kind of a re-release of Freaks and then they released it again under another title for a whole another round of distribution um maybe that's how we can put out a new feature this year we can just yeah re-release Demonica and call it like Derby Shark Let's call it. Or, uh, <laughs> some, shark. or something. Let's call it Evil Dead Five. Rollerblading yeah. Demon Shark. So yeah, and but like the Italians, as far as like again, I I mentioned on our mini episode about how like it took me a while to realize that I ta- it's a sequel to an Italian film doesn't necessarily mean that it's a sequel to the previous film. It's just usually a name only with a number with a number attached to it. Uh, and zombie, the zombie franchise was the the big was probably one of the bigger ones. Where Dawn of the Dead was zombie in Italy, and then when they when Lucio Fulci made his movie Zombie, which was made to be a sequel to Dawn of the Dead, so in Italy it was Zombie Two, and then you had Zombie Three, Zombie Four, Zombie Five. And by the time you get to Zombie 5, The Killing Birds, it doesn't even have anything to do with zombies. But another, there's another franchise that I, when coming up with titles for this episode, there was another Italian uh, franchise that I got became totally fascinated with because it is so off the rails. And that is the La Casa film franchise. Oh, yeah. Now, before I before I go into the whole history of this, did anybody watch Ghost House or Witchery? Yeah, I, I rewatched the riff tracks of Ghost House again. I don't know that I could sit through that one without them. Yeah, I didn't get around. I was gonna. I wanted to watch the riff tracks one, but we didn't get around to it. It's uh, highlighted by one of Mike Nelson's best Nick Nolte impersonations. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. I remember renting Ghost House when it first came out on VHS, obviously being highly disappointed, but like I had high expectations for it. And by this time I was pretty I was I was really starting to become more versed in Italian cinema and starting to grow in a better appreciation for it, but Ghost House is just not it's not very fun. Now, um, is Witchery an alternate title for Ghost House or is that a different movie altogether? It's, it's a different movie. So the okay. La Casa film franchise La Casa 1 and La Casa 2 are 
the American films, Evil Dead and Evil Dead 2. So when they were released in Italy, they were released as La Casa 1 and La Casa 2. La Casa 3 is Ghost House, released in the States as Ghost House. La Casa 4 is Witchery. And then there's a La Casa 5, which is a film called Beyond Darkness. You guys seen that one at all? Yeah, that's an exorcist knockoff. Yeah. That that has a please don't sue us version of the power of Christ compels you phrase repeated over and over. The, <laughs> and it's been a long time since I've seen it, but I distinctly remember that one being quite a bit of fun. Yeah. And then then the franchise gets really goes off the rail after that. Like if it didn't if you didn't think uh, it did already. La Casa Six was the American film House Two: The Second Story. So oh, the original, yeah. so the original house isn't part of this La Casa franchise in Italy, but House Two is part six. <laughs> Hurting my head. Yes, and then <laughs> La Casa. Welcome to the world of Yeah, and then La Casa Seven. Now here's now stick with me on this, and if you need a diagram, we'll post this on Please. our website. But um. <clears throat> Because, yeah, you got to have, like, a scorecard to follow this shit. La Casa 7 was the American film The Horror Show, the one with Lance Hendrickson yeah. and Brian James, which is a great movie. But Horror Show was released in other markets in the, in the uh, world as House, House 3. 3. Now, in the States, there is no House 3. It goes House, House 2, the second story, and then House 4. In the States. In the States, there's House House 1, House 2, House 4, but no House 3. House 3 is known in some parts of the world as the the horror show, but in Italy, it's part 7 of this La Casa series. You love this part. I do. I do. I love this shit. It's... <laughs> I, I was looking forward to this ever since you were telling me a little bit about it when we uh, when we stopped at that uh, Mexican restaurant before yeah. I went to the Del Toro exhibit and you were explaining some of this La Casa stuff. Like Jesus, I've never even heard this before. Yeah, it, I I just I, yeah I stumbled across it. I think I think I just did like a Google search of I I just typed in Italian ripoff movies and Ghost House came up and it said that it was known as this. Uh, La Casa 3, and I'm like, oh, where are the other ones? And just been doing the research, I'm like, holy shit. It started off as the Evil Dead movies and ended with the horror show. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's it's crazy. But anyway, yeah, I'm just fascinated with this stuff. It's just amazing. So good. It, yeah, just looking at it, it makes no sense. <laughs> I mean, there's a there's a page on Wikipedia which I'm sure you looked at, but yeah, it gives everything, and I'm like, this this is stupid. <laughs> like, this is just this is just flat out stupid. There's no reason that shit should exist like this. <laughs> exactly, man. Uh, how do you put that on your DVD shelf? <laughs> yeah, you don't. Oh my god, I kind of just... of what the movie is actually called. Who cares? Unless you <laughs> live in Italy, then you're fucked. Is it just me? I'm pretty sure Brian would be on this page. I kind of want to get like some of these movies from other regions, and then just so I can have the La Casa collection. <laughs> but it would <laughs> be the would Italian be awesome. version of Evil Dead and Evil Dead yeah. Two. And 
So as long as you've got region-free everything, you can just have like all the Italian like, releases like of these com- completely unrelated movies. Well, I have a region-free DVD player. I haven't got the Blu-ray player yet. I don't know because why. I already because I already spend enough money on shit. I don't Dude, need, it's like 150 bucks. No, I'm not talking about the Blu-ray player being too expensive. I'm talking about the dangerous door that is going to yeah. unlock for me to start buying Blu-rays <laughs> from other countries. Come on, nerd, join the dark side. It would it would mean I could go ahead and get the Japanese Blu-ray of Shin Godzilla before we got it over here, but it probably doesn't have any subtitles. But anyway, um, no, I, I, I almost guarantee it does. Do you think there's a La Casa box set in Italy? <laughs> <laughs> Things on Mike's go to Amazon Italia. I, I really need this. Why doesn't this exist? <laughs> By La Aero Video. Just just start your own movie label, you know, company, and then you can release it yourself. Yes, it's like it's like ultra our tr- limited edition, you know, five hundred dollars a pop. And <laughs> uh, Jason's doing some searching right now. This is going to make me so happy. Uh, it what's that? Amazon Italy. Yeah. <laughs> Amazon it. I Amazon just- it. I get so fascinated with like just all the alternate titles of films and different. Oh, oh shit! There it is. Is there really one? Like, well, not a box like, set, but he's got La Casa Two. He's got La Casa Two, and it's it's the artwork is so cool. The artwork is like it's it's not even from Evil Dead Two, but it's definitely Ash. But it's from Army of Darkness of him holding up the boomstick and the chainsaw hand. Send me that link, you bastard. I'm, I'm going. I, I'm on it. I'm on it. <laughs> I don't need it, but I want it. Oh, so awesome! But it's like our film collapse, and in different markets around the world, it got. Oh God, it's so beautiful. The title just got like so shumbled around. It's crazy. The collapsa, la collapsa, <laughs> la collapsa. Oh, I totally need this version. I know. That's Damn it. pretty neat. This, this is the problem. Like I have weird. Like I already have weird hard boxes for like. Uh, uh, oh god damn it! Phantom of the Opera. I have the German version of Phantom of the Opera with Robert England. The German version. Why do I own that? <laughs> Here's the thing. Th- this is cheap as hell too, John. It's only seven and a half euro, so it's about ten bucks. <laughs> yeah, like I would. Yeah, but what's I the shipping on like that? This, but it's like, <laughs> well, hey, look bro. at this cool different cover that I spent ten dollars on. Like, <laughs> yeah, but the difference between you and me, you and me, John, is I would, I'd, I'd watch it. I don't care if it's oh, in, I would totally in, Italian. I want to, I want to see Bruce Campbell dubbed in Italian. <laughs> as long as there's, yeah, there's uh, English subtitles, so. <laughs> And I have an all-region... Well, a lot of the stuff like that is usually region-free. But if it isn't, I, I can play it. Oh, it's it's region-free, A, B, and C. If it lists all of them, then you're good to go. You know what would go. be even better? Is <laughs> if, they, if the original uh, dialogue audio track was removed from it, and they obviously you know, dubbed it into Italian, if there was also an option for an English-language dub, but it was all really heavily Italian-accented. Bob and a boopy. Shut up, Tweaky. I'm sorry if there's any uh, actual Italians that listen, and I've offended you in any way. Oh, wait, no, I don't. Okay. <laughs> Oh my goodness. 
All right. All right. So, oh, what is that? That's cool art. <laughs> damn it, the one for La Casa Four is fucking glorious. This is Check such a great radio, a surfing Amazon. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Just go to this this website, type this yeah. in, and. Yeah. Fuck, <laughs> these are great. If it's oh. <laughs> I, is I, that I, steel book? God damn it! There's a steel book. Yeah, look yeah, at that cover. Split tongue with the fucking split. The house. Yeah, this is why shit overseas is cooler. <laughs> oh, I'm gonna start crying. This is <laughs> I I I like to think pre-order this shit. God damn it! I'd like to think that our show inspires people to buy things, and if like all of a sudden, <laughs> all, all of a sudden the 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 Italian distributors are like. Why all of a sudden are these La Casa movies so so well in the states? What's going on? Who the fuck is buying this in Cedar Rapids, Iowa? Why the hell? <laughs> all right. Well, as long as we're so derailed, anyway. Here's a here's a fun uh, <laughs> store store fun story about how silly things can alter the market for certain collectors' items. One uh, B-Fest trip, we were at John's favorite store, Half Price Books, in Niles, Illinois. And one of my book shopping strategies is I go to the horror section and just buy anything with a silly painted monster on the cover. Because I read just like I watch movies, folks. (laughs) It's just trashy monster pulp paperbacks. (laughs) And (laughs) my friend Tim found this book that was called Flesh. And the, the cover was a woman holding the the lid off a serving tray and and like offering it to the person looking at the cover and on the tray was a severed hand and uh, he's like here this looks stupid and i was like yeah but that's not a monster tim that's just a crappy painting of a lady in a hand well apparently he took umbrage at my turning down his suggestion and the next year went on amazon and bought every cheap copy he could find of that printing of flesh with that cover and peppered them throughout our B-Fest vacation for me to find. <laughs> oh my God. The That's result a- of this being that all of a sudden, the few people remaining on Amazon Marketplace who had copies of this book saw that they were all being snatched up and must have decided that, oh my God, the collector's market for this oh, shit. No shitty horror novel has has suddenly started to boom and there was a good six months where i shit you not you could not find a copy of flesh for less than 90 dollars <laughs> <laughs> oh my god that's oh <laughs> that's incredible that's awesome how many copies did he buy eight Jesus Christ! <laughs> Tim did. Yep. There was one. Let's see. There was one waiting for me when I checked in at the hotel. The clerk handed it to me with my keys. There was one. There was one hidden in the menu at the restaurant we went to for supper that night. He slipped one into the back pocket of my coat. Um, he rigged the raffle at B-Fest for me to win one. Oh, my God. We went to... There, oh, my God. In, in another Chicago suburb, there's a place called Algram's Funeral Home, which has a mini golf course in the basement, which is originally put in there for, you know, grieving kids who need a break from the just being sad all the fucking time so they can go down and play mini golf. And, of course, it's, it's chintzily, cutely horror-themed. You know, you got to shoot around gravestones and stuff like that. But when they're not having a service... It's open and free to the public. So we went there, and uh, 
and played a round of, of funeral home mini golf. And as we were leaving, the funeral director came up to me and uh, said, are you Mr. Brian Clark? And I said, yes, I am. And he, he said, well, I, I'm, I'm so sorry, and handed me this little packet, <laughs> which, which contained a pamphlet entitled Dealing with Your Grief and <laughs> another fucking copy of Flesh. <laughs> when did this happen? Oh, this Tim guy's my hero. Oh, Tim's awesome. This is Tim Lenner who lives uh-huh. who, who uh, leaves comments in our in our shoutouts all the time. Yeah, Tim's awesome. And uh, this was 2012 or 13, I think. I, I like, forget. What exactly. the hell did Mal think of this? Like, why the fuck are you getting all these goddamn books? Oh, I, I think she knew. She thought it was funny. Well, yeah, I mean, anytime anybody can fuck with you, it's fucking The hilarious. best part yeah. is it, it, it kept happening throughout the trip, and every time I'd get a copy, there'd be different people around us, so I'd have to explain it. I'd like, oh, oh, my God. I'd have to explain why it was happening. <laughs> oh, we, we go to a tiki bar every year, and the waitress brought me another copy with our bill, and just it kept <laughs> going. Tim is a genius who has way yep. too much free time on his hands. Yes. <laughs> he, too he much free time, too much money, apparently. Hi, he, Tim, by the way. Don't, yeah, he, don't yeah. bombard me with shit. He, he weaponized his generosity. and. <laughs> <laughs> that's fucking epic. That's awesome. Oh, that's awesome. Okay, so getting back to the topic. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's, <laughs> that's all right. Uh, Sam, do you have a movie you want to bring up? Um, The... I guess the only other movie I watched that we haven't talked about is uh, House at the Edge of the Park. <gasps> cool. I was hoping somebody would watch this one. I'd love this movie. Go for Wait, it. Yeah. And uh, unlike these other fucking dog turds, this movie's... <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, man. I was like actually kind of blown away. It's an intense movie. Mm-hmm. Very intense. And... Obviously, this one is is um, a ripoff of Last House on the Left. Um, so much so that our main antagonist of the movie is David Hess. <laughs> so he's just getting getting pigeonholed into that role. Um, yeah. And I had thought too that I should have put if I put this movie on on there, I should have also put um, um, oh Midnight. Midnight Train Murders, I think, is the name of it. Is that right? Which uh, is basically Last House on the Left, on but on a train. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But, so, so last train to Rapesville, then. <laughs> <laughs> so, do you want to uh, give us a synopsis there, Sam, of uh, Last House on the Edge of the Park? Yeah, it's uh, basically about this guy, David Hess. <laughs> he's uh this groovy rapist <laughs> he's just an all-around scumbag yeah but uh yeah he's rocking kind of a fro an italian fro <laughs> i guess and uh yeah man he's got this retarded sidekick and uh they like to rape people and and uh no these a couple rich people show up i guess what do they they like work at some garage or something i guess yeah yeah they work at a garage and he had just killed i'm trying to remember it's been a little while since i've seen it but i've seen it a few times 
he he had just killed somebody earlier, like in the opening scene. He killed some yeah, some woman th- in a car or something like that. Yeah, I think it was supposed to take place like a year earlier. Yeah, you find out. But yeah, like the opening scene, he rapes a chick and uh, chokes her, and I get I guess accidentally kills her. I guess he's not so much a murderer on purpose. Yeah, he's more of like a rapist. But uh, he kills this chick. And then jump cut like maybe a year a year later, and uh, a couple of rich people show up just as he's about to go out and boogie. <laughs> <laughs> I guess disco. Did they still have disco joints in 1980? I don't know. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, but they show up and uh, they want to get their car worked on, and he's like, "Hey, man, I I want to go out and boogie here." <laughs> I think he actually says that too. <laughs> no, he does. He does. <laughs> <laughs> You're cramping my style. <laughs> and uh but they, you know, essentially he decides to go with them and they have another party that they're going to go to. And so they go to uh this fancy sort of a uh, mansion like joint and uh yeah yeah and then so they, like yeah him and his buddy get invited to the to the party of these like rich people and it's just it's just a mindfuck game back and forth through the rest of the movie at that point like he's fucking with them but they're fucking with him and you need a whole exactly. lot of fucking yeah well, well there's uh, that too literally and figuratively yeah so, but yeah, it's, I mean, the the bulk of the movie is essentially in kind of real time, which makes it really unsettling because they don't, you know, they don't shy away in terms of showing stuff. I mm-hmm. mean, you're seeing it basically in real time and, uh, yeah, it's really, you know, disturbing. You feel, <laughs> you feel gross, but it's very dramatic. And, uh, no, it's just a good movie, and, uh, I don't know what else to say about it, except... Well, um, spoilers that it turns out that the whole thing was, was a, was a, um, was planned by these, by these rich people to get revenge on this guy, because I guess it was the, the one girl's sister that David Hess had accidentally killed at the beginning of the movie right there's like kind of this preppy kid and you kind of find out at the end that that was his sister and this whole this whole thing was a setup to to get revenge which which you know the one bad thing about this movie is i i don't know i kind of thought that plot to us was kind of convoluted personally just yeah you know i've if you're going to get revenge, why would you go <coughs> to this extreme, you know? Well, yeah, and, and why would you endanger all your friends and, and yourself? Because like, exactly. that, that could very easily have gone very bad for the people trying to get the revenge. And at well, yeah. cer- certain points in the film, it does, though, oh, too. Yeah. 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 I mean, they <laughs> he almost gets killed, the, the, the uh, mastermind guy there, yeah. the blonde kid. He gets his fucking space... His space smashed and uh yeah he he easily could have died 
But, like, I guess he had this plan to, like, you know, he was going to shoot him, but he, like, he, like, hides the gun in, like, some drawer in this back room. I mean, if you're going to shoot the guy, why not just have the gun on your on your person? Why put it in some little corner in the back room? It was just kind of goofy, but, I mean, you know, I can suspend disbelief for that. Oh, sure. See this out, you know, the rest of the movie. I mean, it's good. It's very, very engaging. Well, yeah, there's... You... Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, yeah, there's, you know, there's lots of twists and turns and, you know, and it is kind of interesting. I mean, in a way, at the end, the uh, the victims kind of become the the bad guys in a way. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, they're justified, of course, in <laughs> getting revenge, but they do kind of like almost become what they're fighting against. You know what I mean? I mean, they they like kind of torture David Hess at the end, you know, they like shoot him in the balls and they're, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, they don't like mercifully kill him. They're like toying with him and kind of getting off on it. I just thought that was kind of interesting. Kind of like devil's rejects, you know, there's kind of a moral ambiguity to it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But, well, that was a theme that uh, Rogero Deodato liked to deal with. I mean, he did the same kind of thing in Cannibal Holocaust, which, yeah, the, the whole cannibal movie cycle was the uh, very much a, who are the real cannibals, and that got to be you know kind of the, the cliche of it. But he sort of shut the door on that, <clears throat> making Cannibal Holocaust like, okay, I'm going to just make the worst one of all of them and, and shut this whole thing down and yeah. uh, talking about their group, uh, you know, the, the, all the footage that they faked and what was real and what wasn't and, uh, and, and the same kind of thing like with with the house on the edge of the park and you know say what you want about Dad Otto's moral compass but he was a good director like you were saying this this is a good movie it's not comfortable and it's not fun yeah, to yeah. watch at all it's a really rough flick to watch like I've seen it I saw it God probably almost 10 years ago and I I didn't watch it again for the show because I just I don't know I wasn't in the right headspace that I wanted to watch a movie this mean spirited but even yeah. though I saw it so long ago enough of it has stuck with me after all these years that uh, yeah and you you really kind of feel for uh, the Giovanni Lombardo Radice character who's sort of his sidekick who's the kind of the stand-in for his heroin addicted son in Last House on the Left, playing you know, yeah. very much embodying the same type of role. But I think Radice has a lot. Like he does a great job of giving it kind of an innocence, and and you know the character in this movie is mentally handicapped, so that you know, rather than being hooked on heroin by his abusive father, but um, you know it has much the same effect on the story I think I just like Radice's performance better and I really like him as an actor anyway I think he's really good um, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, yeah you, you kind of I mean because he gets <clears throat> taken advantage of by the by the rich kids to the point where you almost even though you know he's complicit in these awful crimes like you kind of feel sorry for him because you know because of his mental problems that he's not 
entirely culpable. I mean, yes, he's done or helped David Hess's character at least do awful things, but you, yeah, he, he does a good job of getting across the point that he's not a monster. He just needs help, and he and he could be better. You know, he just needs to be away from this bad influence. Right. I mean, you can see that he has some kind of moral compass, even if it is a little bit defective. I mean, like, he doesn't want to rape the woman because she's freaked out, you know. Do you think the choice of making his character mentally uh, mentally challenged like like he is, do you think that's also um, a nod to I Spit on Your Grave? I would mm-hmm. not be at all surprised. <laughs> You know, because you, you got that same character who's obviously in, in I Spit in Your Grave is so much more of a caricature of that type of of, of that type of person. He's yeah. not he's you know uh, he doesn't play it to that extent in this movie, but but to to ch- like you said, change it from being like the heroin addicted son to mentally challenged best friend kind of makes kind of makes me think they were going for a little some nods to I Spit in Your Grave as well. So yeah. Or like a of mice and men, I guess that's kind oh, of yeah. a kind of a common character duo, the sort of mentally challenged guy with the you know the the leader <laughs> yeah and and you had mentioned like you know uh Deodato's directing style, like all the movies that are on this list of that this one really stands stands out amongst that crowd as being a very well shot, good looking film. You know, some of these other ones like you know, Robo Wars, which we'll get into. Um, you know, <laughs> yay! <laughs> you know, they they don't they just they they look like they 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 look like their budgets really. But this one, um, this one is so much better lit and better shot, and maybe, maybe that's because it's a more controlled environment than shooting in the woods, you know, or in the jungle. But yeah, uh, Holocaust is a really well shot movie too, and that was shot in the jungle. I, th- I think it just comes down to the talent of the people yeah. making and how much they care about it. Really, exactly, exactly. They, and I'm like pretty he sure. Wasn't he wasn't entirely just turning out a product. I mean, I'm, there's yeah. obviously a sense of that because if you're making a rip-off movie, it's intended to cash in. But yeah, I think Deodato generally cared a lot more about the the artistry of what he was doing than than anybody else by miles. <laughs> on well, the, yeah, on and the with Deodato, with Deodato too, and a lot of the stuff that he did, uh, some of his more standout films, especially, it really feels like. Yeah, he was definitely maybe more of an artist than say a Bruno Mattei or whatever. Um, because, <laughs> uh, you just said artist and Bruno Mattei in the same sentence. <laughs> because because he's he he tackles topics that are not necessarily a hundred percent commercial. You know, like yeah, mm. the Cannibal Holocaust is the most brutal of the uh, of the cannibal films. You have this movie. Um, you know, cut and run, cut, uh, digs into some some dark territory, and so yeah, I think. Uh, although I th- I feel like he's still trying to make a commercial product, but he's not restricting himself to just you know he want he wants to put 
his vision there instead of just, you know, producing a product. Sure. Yeah, I, I have to say, I think of, like, of all, like, you know, the rape movies that get mentioned, you know, like, Solo and Irreversible. Mm-hmm. I think th- this is probably, like, the most intense that I've seen in terms of just, I don't know, man, the way they, the way they depict rape is just really unsettling. I think you hit the nail on the head earlier. I like what you said about the fact that, you know, the, the majority of this movie takes place in real time. And I think that really adds to to the whole tension of this movie because you got scenes where they're just sitting around playing poker. And you're just kind of on edge about that because you know it's it's not going to go well, right? And you're just waiting for the ball to drop, and not just not just real time, but like like extreme close-ups too, to oh, where yeah. like you can't look away or like hide from it. You know, you're right there in the moment, and you know there's no hidden angles or whatever. Well, and David Hess was really good at being absolutely terrifying. And in this movie, yeah. he doesn't yeah. have those stupid comedy cops and that dippy banjo music to undercut the tension. So you're left with nothing of 90 minutes, or left with nothing but 90 minutes of being terrified that David Hess is going to rape you. <laughs> and from, you know, I, I've read a bit here and there that he sometimes was, you know, maybe a couple shots of whiskey away from being like that in real life too so i mean i don't think he had oh to my. dig don't think he had to not necessarily i'm not trying to imply that he was a rapist oh sure just, just that he was a really intense bad-tempered kind of dude sometimes and uh you know I, I he kinda, didn't have to dig real deep to bring that out i kind of always got that impression and i always tried to tell myself mm. it's just because that's the parts he got stuck with but he played those parts a lot you know <laughs> um did you ever see uh, what's the, what was the name of the one? Um, and it was another Italian film that he did. Um, hit is it Hitchhiker? Hitchhike? Um, I'm looking here. The only Hitchhiker or the Hitcher is the only one movie I can think of like that, which is yeah, it's called Hitchhike from '77. Nope. Um, it's it's a really good one too, but he plays basically the same thing—a total uh, scumbag. You know, rape, you know, rapist kind of guy. Um, directed by um, Pascali Festa Campanelli. Nailed it. I, I hear you can get that with unlimited. <laughs> I hear you can get that with unlimited salad and breadsticks. The Olive Garden. Breadsticks. Whatever. It's good. So. Um, yeah. Any anybody else have anything they want to add to Last House on the Edge of the Park? Um. Yeah, like since this was like kind of a Last House on the Left ripoff, like the whole time I was just waiting for like <laughs> a wiener chopping scene. You know, <laughs> I was yeah. waiting for someone to get their their wiener chomped on and. <laughs> It didn't happen, which I'm not sure if I'm happy or sad about that. <laughs> <laughs> we know. Oh. All righty then. Um, so, John, what is there one you want to talk about? 
Well, not really, but uh, we can <laughs> anyway. Um, did it? Well, I hate that I own this movie. Uh, did anybody else uh, see Mondo Cannibal from uh, 2004, directed by Bruno Mattei? Woo, Bruno Mattei! No, I have not seen that one. <laughs> and at some point, this was listed as Cannibal Holocaust 2. Oh, it's, that one. All it is is just a Cannibal Holocaust ripoff. Oh my god, it's almost shot for shot. Cannibal Holocaust. Holy shit, really? Oh, it's so fucking bad. And it's from 2000 and... Like, well, the... It's either Severn or Intervision. Uh, well, same company. Um, but yeah, 2004-ish, I think is what it's listed as on uh, IMDb. But yeah, all it is is a fucking ripoff of Cannibal Holocaust. Now, is it? does it look like it's shot on, like, home video? Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. The beginning? Full screen, you know, home oh, video. <laughs> Shit fast. I mean, it's... Like, okay, so there's the, the, the famous scene in uh, uh, Cannibal Holocaust with the pike. Yeah. They kind of do that, but without the pike. <laughs> so it, like, what? has no... Act. Yeah, it's like, oh, look at what we just came upon. Oh my god, this is so horrible. But it's like a person just sitting there. In this one, they do it with a muskie. <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen this, Brian? Uh, sorry, I stepped away. Which movie were we talking about? Bondo Cannibal. Bruno Mattei. Oh, yeah. That's the... He, he the the pair of movies he did that uh, Mondo Cannibal and In the Land of the Cannibal and this yeah. one is just a straight up uh, Cannibal Holocaust remake. Oh, whereas yeah, the, whereas the other one is a blending of Cannibal Holocaust and Predator. Yeah, yeah. but he's done other movies that are Predator. Eh, he's a fucking nutbag. He well, he has ripped off Alien and Predator more times than yeah, like than every other Italian filmmaker combined. It's pretty fucking impressive. And I always find it funny, that, at least with his later stuff, because I, I never really checked the, the credits on his er, other films. With the later stuff, he's always credited as Vincent Don. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It just sounds like a porn name. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, you're thinking of Vincent Dong. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Oh my god! So I finally, finally got through all the way through in the land of can- in the land of the cannibals oh, the other day. So funny. finally, you just Why tried pawning that off on me, asshole. Really? <laughs> uh, that I is own pretty much anything Bruno Mattei released by Intervision. <laughs> I feel like I've stupid. I feel like I've watched a ton of cannibal movies, but am I wrong? Are these the loudest cannibals in cinema history? Like, they're just, like, screaming and, like, making weird noises at the top of their lungs through the whole fucking movie. Oh, they're just bad. I don't... He made the worst fucking movies imaginable. Do you think... Okay, here's a question for all you Bruno Mattei fans out there. Which is me and John and you. Yeah. (laughs) Do you think... barely fans. Do you think he just didn't get it? Or do you think he just didn't care? He didn't care. He clearly did not give a fuck. I don't think he knew what the fuck he was doing. No, he... Like, he, I, he, I think he's literally one of the most incompetent... Like, makes Ed Wood look like... Fucking, a goddamn genius? Yeah. Like, Stanley Cooper? <laughs> I mean... But you'd think you spend that much time over the course of your lifetime making films that eventually you would start getting better? <laughs> he I, got worse. I... <laughs> 
it wasn't it wasn't about making a movie for him. It was about making a buck. He didn't care what he had to rip off, what he had to do. Like just all right, cool. Shoot the scene. All right, cool. We're done. Let's move on. Let's keep going. I need five dollars for McDonald's at the end of the day. Like that's really what it comes down to. The guy was shite. So but we love his movie so much. <laughs> so well, let's okay. say about us. <laughs> I, quick question, like, I I don't know if it was one that was ripping off anything, but which which of his movies is the one where the people are like running around on an island and then there's suddenly like wine casks and they're like, oh, let's drink. Like, are you fucking retarded? You got zombies coming after you and you want to get drunk off of wine that may or may not fucking kill you? Like, <laughs> Jesus Christ, this is stupid. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's one of his movies. I mean, it's got to, it's... I mean, it sounds uh, like it, but... <laughs> it's, it's just one of those ridiculous things like, my buddy and I watched it and we're like... So you're being attacked, but drinking right now just sure sounds great. <laughs> like, Jesus Christ. Uh, anyway, it's definitely got to be one of his movies because, you know, it's just so fucking ridiculous. <sighs> Why do I own so many of his movies? Because they're so much fun to watch. So remind oh, me of now, I, I wrote a review of this movie years ago and I didn't rewatch this one for for the show. What what is the thing that happens with the woman on the chick on a stick in this one? Well, I'm I I kind of paid attention to it last night cuz I was, <laughs> I can't believe I still own this. I just remember they rape her and then they're like, "Oh wait, we got to cover this up." And they're like, "Oh, look what these guys did." And I think she's just like literally like laying on the beach. Like, just laying there next to the river, like, oh, look what happened. It's so horrible. And, yeah. I mean, they didn't have a budget for special effects. Ugh. He's got, he always has some of the worst special effects out of any Italian cinema. And that is saying a lot. Well, Every, and these... guy just... It's <laughs> <laughs> oh, the brain. This quadrilogy of movies he made during his comeback in the in the mid two thousands. Yeah, which they I, all I have all of those. Yeah, I did the the two cannibal movies and the two zombie movies. Yeah, and they all they're shot on such a weird, shitty low grade of video. Yeah, that they look and especially because the two cannibal movies came first. I think mm. uh, Mondo Cannibals is two thousand four. Yeah, around there. And, and In the Land of the Cannibals, I think, came first in 2003. And then the two zombie ones were... I know Zombies, the beginning was 2007. I forget what the other I'll one was. Probably in the same year, because I mean, but it's not like they took much. They're all bad, but the two cannibal ones are the worst offenders, where they look like they were shot for a PBS affiliate in the late 80s. Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. Like, you're looking at these things and going, is this an episode of Wishbone? What the fuck is... <laughs> you were such a douche. <clears throat> Come on, that dog was adorable. Was. Yeah, and he's also dead. Well, that was just wow. mean. Jesus. Mean. There's an actor who showed up in a couple of these movies. He shows up in this one, and he, he pops up and... How was it... I know I saw him in another one of the movies I was watching for this. I think it must have been uh, Zombies: The Beginning, 
which is the Aliens knockoff, there's this American, or at least, you know, like, mainland European, like a white actor who shows up in a couple of these things, who looks exactly like Dick Cheney. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, he He's in uh, Mondo Cannibal. Yeah. It's, he looks like a di- somebody playing Dick Cheney on Saturday Night Live. <laughs> That's exactly what it looks like. He, oh God, I'm trying to think of the the actor on Saturday Night Live that actually played him. Oh, but yeah, he looks exactly like Dick Cheney, and it's creepy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, nightmares. <laughs> <laughs> nightmares of Dick Cheney and really really bad Bruno movies. It's so. I've I've also come to the realization with uh, revisiting some Bruno Mattei and and watching some of these later Bruno Mattei movies for the first time that Jason Rat's Night of Terror is probably his best movie. Yeah. Like, it is a very awesome, competently made movie compared to most of his other stuff. Which, obviously... Yeah, that says something. Which obviously has its own nods of stuff that he's ripping off in that movie. I still say he's ripping off the thing for the majority of rats. Yeah. Wow, I, I never thought of that before. <laughs> Usually when I think of rats, I just think of that amazing final shot. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> the, the big reveal, the big... Absolutely. Well, no, the lead guy in the whole movie is is a poor man's Kurt Russell all the way. Full beard and everything. <laughs> and there's the scene where he's got the blowtorch out for some reason. He's got this big old blowtorch that they only use in like one scene. And I'm like, that. And he's standing there with that blowtorch and I'm just like, it's totally Kurt Russell right there. This is the thing. I need to watch that again. It's been a while since no, I've seen it. No, you don't. There's, no, I do. I love it. Because... The, the two things that stick in my mind the most about it, I like. I remember the blowtorch because I remember there, be, you know, being a big fire sequence. Are the amazing ending and the fact that in the very in the title sequence, the glass plate that they use to superimpose the titles over the shots of the desert has visible fingerprints on it. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, shit! I've never noticed that before. Oh, that's awesome. My favorite effect in that movie is when the rats are. Full on attacking the the people towards the end of the movie. They're 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 coming in on them, and they're showing scenes of rats charging towards. But it's obviously little toy rats on a conveyor belt. They just made the camera image blurry. Like they're all perfectly in line, all moving at the same time, but they're not really moving. They're just going down a conveyor belt. Ah, uh, yeah. yeah well, so you know, since it's the thing, it counts for the move. This. Episode. And yeah. Oh, absolutely. Uh, man, well, this should have been just a Bruno Mattei episode for crying <laughs> well, out loud. Well, well it, it's going to turn into that real quick here. I mean, we're, <laughs> oh, it did. we're on him right now, and we're gonna we're gonna just keep rolling with that. Like, the, uh, there's really only one logical, reasonable response to a Bruno Mattei movie, and it is this. <laughs> it can only help, right? I mean, nobody ever said, "Hey, you know what I really want to see right now? 
A Bruno Mattai movie. <laughs> no Fuck one. yeah, that sounds great. No, I, I say that all the time. <laughs> After but, several but, of them. But, you, but usually no it's... normal person says... <laughs> oh, yep. <laughs> it's, it's just always preceded by that thing that just happened. But Wow, I there, can't believe the Bruno Mattai... Uh, never mind. <laughs> I had to play to, where I was going with it. Anyway. Back to Mondo Cannibal for a little bit here. The, uh, or not. <laughs> <laughs> It's an Italian ripoff of an Italian movie. Yeah, that's what makes it so great. And it's an Italian I mean, ripoff of an Italian movie of a culmination of a dick-slapping fight between Ruggiero Deodato and Umberto Lenzi on who could outgross one another making yeah. cannibal movies. <laughs> that's the amazing. And even though Deodato really put his foot down and kind of got the last word, Lindsay did the last movie because if I remember correctly, Make Them Die Slowly was eighty-one, so I think really that was the the cap on the uh, Italian cannibal cycle until <laughs> Matei decided it needed to happen again. Um, and that movie's even—I I, I would argue that it's kind of ickier than Deodato's because even though it's very incompetent, it's. There's no artistry to it, and its incompetence makes it ickier, I guess. Yeah, I could see that. Because totally. he's not even trying to make a point. He's just like, look at me, you fucking killing a pig. But Look, I'm disgusting. But there's... Uh, Mondo Cannibal starts out with this reporter, oh, if, I, if I'm remembering correctly. Yeah, no, you're, you're remembering right, she's, She works for a, a company who wants to... Or a TV station who's like trying to make the next big scoop big documentary and they send her out and it, it's it, it, we start out in Hong Kong yeah she's showing they're showing footage of her last documentary that uh, that was talking about various death rites in, in native cultures and they're showing it on like a fucking jumbotron on the side of a building in you know in the middle of a public square in a city these nasty images of these rotting corpses. I'm thinking, what world does this take place in? <laughs> Where oh, they shit. show that kind of thing. On, I mean, can you imagine that shit playing in Times Square? Just like mm. funeral rites of these disgusting rotting corpses in some backwater third world country. It, uh, it's weird. Well, you know, you were talking about how Bruno Mattei has made a movie who's, it's an Italian rip-off movie that has ripped off another Italian movie, but that doesn't, that doesn't stop there for Bruno Mattei. He's ripped off his own stuff, and an example of that is, <laughs> like, the posters for his movies. Like, he, he did Hell of the Living Dead, which the cover to that has the zombie picture that is stolen from the poster of City of the Living Dead, a.k.a. Gates of Hell. And then he uses that same zombie image for his, mo for his last movie, Zombie the Beginning. <laughs> that zombie's shown up on more posters than the woman crawling on the ground that's image. That's not true. Well, but, yeah, that's not true. It's exaggerated a little bit. But, but. pretty close. <clears throat> so Bruno Mattei rips himself off, so... You really like that image. Must have. Must have paid a lot for it, and he's getting his money's worth. 
Oh, Bruno Mattei. So tell, guys, tell me about Zombie the Beginning. I'm really bummed out I, I didn't get to see it. And I saw parts of the end where it's got, like, the insect zombie children. What? With the cone heads and the talking yeah. brain. What? And I'm like, well, I'm so words? upset I didn't see this movie because I saw that clip. I'm like, this is fucking awesome. <laughs> well, that, that movie is a shot-for-shot ripoff of Aliens. And that sequence with the insect zombie children and the brain in the jar, that is the queen alien. Oh, my. That, because there's, did did the clip that you saw show the women uh, webbed up in the, in the slime that apparently the zombies can extrude because it's an alien ripoff with the tubes attached to their bellies? I don't think so, no. Okay. Well, you know how in Aliens... <laughs> There's this the this when when Ripley goes back to rescue Newt, and in this there is no Newt analog. By the way, she just tells the Hicks analog, "There's a thing I have to do now," and just fucking runs off because I don't know how she fucking knows this is in there. But she finds this room where there's a brain in a box and a bunch of weird alien zombie children, and there's all these women, still living human women who are pregnant and strung up in the slime, very similar to the alien cocoon webbing in the alien movies. And they have these big, like, clothes dryer vent pipes stuck to their stomach. (laughs) And, and, And they writhe and scream, and the pipes rip babies out of their stomachs. And, and pulse and quiver and drip slime because when Ripley goes to rescue Newt, she meets the queen. The first thing we see of the queen is that ovipositor dripping slime and laying facehugger eggs. Mm-hmm. Well, these tubes rip these quivering, slime-dripping babies out of these women's stomachs and deposit them in this big, gaping, <laughs> rashy irritated butthole <laughs> sphincter looking thing for fuck knows what reason other than because it kind of happened in aliens and that's that's what's going on in that scene so that is the ripley confronting the queen alien in her hive scene except the brain does not then pull itself out of the box chase the ripley analog down the corridor and figure out how to ride an elevator after her up to the drop ship she just <laughs> blows it up there and it's done but god damn that movie is <laughs> it is technically superior to any of the other of those four movies that he did in that time period that Intervision released I will say that because at least the effects look competent yeah. it's just that they don't have any diegetic reason to exist <laughs> so they look kind of okay but the fact that they're there at all is fucking stupid. So it kind of undercuts the fact that for once he got a movie to not look like complete garbage. Hmm. Yeah, I, I gotta see that movie. Like I was sold when I watched the trailer and saw some clips. Yeah, and it's you know one of those there are lines of dialogue that are exactly copied from and much the same way as in the land of the cannibals stole footage from predator the the big fiery climax of this movie steals footage of the terraforming facility 
blowing up from aliens. Oh Jesus! <laughs> so so to, and I don't know how the fuck he got away with that, but other than I suppose you know Italy never paid that much attention to international copyright law. But so yeah, to to add production value to his shitty aliens knockoff, where you see uh, you know paper mache zombie heads exploding, then you will cut to footage of that massive set that they built for aliens exploding and collapsing on itself as the terraforming facility goes into meltdown at the end of aliens. Mm. Wow, that's awesome! Unbelievable. Well, since we're still on Bruno Mattei, we need to uh, address the white elephant in the room. Not white elephant. We didn't say it's Bruno Mattei selling us towels now. Yeah, the elephant in the room, and that is Robo Wars. Yay! No! No! (laughs) I'm assuming this is the other one you watched and turned off, Terry. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. It's like I got two minutes in, and I'm like, nope. Feel so stupid. She figured that out. <laughs> you can just turn it off. I had to watch the whole fucking thing. Reb Brown's Reb Brown's compelling performance didn't take you to the oh, end of the movie. Yeah. It took me to the about the end of my life. I know that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the, this movie sucked. It's not good. It's okay, not, it and, sucks. And here was here was my problem with this movie. I don't even I don't even care that it's just a giant you know predator ripoff the robot the <laughs> sounds that he made it always it, sounded like he kept saying greasy yeah. <laughs> and it fucking irritated the hell out of me that i couldn't handle it like, i really think mumble, this mumble, is the... mumble greasy mumble mumble greasy blah 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 and i'm like nope i'm done i really think this is the closest thing we'll get to cubert the movie oh because things sounded like cubert that robot just like Robert yeah. uh, Kubert cursing, wearing Kubert, a laser it tag outfit. It greasy occasionally, and it was uh, fuck. It was irritating. <laughs> Bullshit artist. <laughs> Bullshit artist. <laughs> Bullshit artist. Greasy strangler. <laughs> How far did you get, Terry? Uh, good question. Did you at least get to my favorite scene in the movie, which is towards the beginning, where they see the the sniper in the tree, and they all just unload all the bullets they have in the world into this yeah, tree? Yeah, I think so. I kind of just started, do, like, I didn't fall asleep. I was doing other things and started just not paying attention and eventually just gave up and turned good, it off. Good call. Now, Mike, which which one of those scenes are you talking about? Because that <laughs> happens, like, three times in this movie. Because if it happened once in Predator... If it happened once in Predator, Matei has to have it happen three times. It happens through the entire movie. Like, where did these guys carry all the bullets? That's what I want to know. Supply bullets. <laughs> like when they come across those gorillas that's almost raping the blonde girl or whatever, and they unload on, and she's still standing there when they just unload, unload their guns on these guys too. But no, I'm talking about. It's like it's. I think it's the second time they shoot off their guns in the movie. Where they think there's a sniper up in one high up in the tree, and they shoot at it from all angles because they're kind of surrounding it, and they all just like spray a bevy of bullets into this tree, and it turns out the guy that's in the tree was already dead. <laughs> and 
was dead for a while. Yeah. And they could have told that with what was left from all them bullets. <laughs> like, I'm surprised that tree was standing there, let alone. <clears throat> Turd. Uh-huh. It's like we have a moment of silence for Robot Wars. Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah, let it die, please. I'm sorry, Brian. Oh, no, it's great. I I am a big fan of Reb Brown. And now that I've seen enough of his movies where he's toting a gun... They let this guy do more than this? Oh, you you haven't seen Space Mutiny? That's a great Mystery Science Theater episode. Oh, no, he's, he's, he's also in the best of the Howling movies. Howling Four? 2, Your Sister is a oh. Werewolf. <laughs> <laughs> and now that I, and now that I've seen him in multiple roles, you know, he's also in S- with Struther Martin, uh, the Killer Snake movie from the seventies. But anyway, Where Snake? Oh yeah, movie. yeah. yeah. <clears throat> I, I now that I've seen him in a bunch of movies where he plays a character who carries a gun, I am convinced that he believes his screams can make bullets go faster and hit harder. Yeah. <laughs> You're on to something there. <laughs> because every time he fires a gun, it's... <laughs> oh. But there's something, like... There's actually a moment in this movie that made me think somewhere under all that goofiness and bluster, there might be a occasionally talented actor, because when he has that... When he has that moment at the end, where he, oh, Jason's just shaking his head right now. Where, where he realizes who and what the Robo Warrior is, and they have that little moment of eye contact, like that look on his face seems genuine. So, like, there's a little moment of true emotion there from Red Brown before it goes back to him shrieking and firing his gun again. <laughs> that had to but, have been a true acting moment because how ridiculous that moment is. When the when the robot takes its helmet off and it's his friend or whatever the fuck, yeah. <laughs> and now all of a sudden he can talk normal. Like he sounds like Hubert <laughs> through the whole fucking movie. And he takes the helmet off and he's just talking normal. Oh, this, he didn't this say greasy was... once when he took his helmet off. <laughs> the fuck. It's it's funny. This is one that I, I actually wasn't familiar with, and I'm not sure I even knew existed. <laughs> and then. I think it was it was either Mike or Jason posted something about watching it. I'm like, oh, well, I guess I'm going to watch that one next. <laughs> and it was when I started watching it, and I saw, saw Reb. I'm like, oh, good. Well, this will be entertaining. And then it turned out to be so much fun. I just love this movie. <laughs> oh. Jason's still shaking his head. <laughs> yeah. I'm feeling John and Terry are shaking their heads, too, at you. Jason, if you shake your head every time I mention a questionable decision in my Here's cinematic the thing, takes, like you're going to give yourself whiplash. Dude. Every, I uh, so I mean, <laughs> I love shit, but this movie sucked. Right, that's what I was trying. I was trying to find a way to say that just, nicely. I, like was, I get that what you guys like isn't always good. Damn sound of that but fucking goddamn robot. Always something there that's you know, that can be fun. I just could not find it on this thing. I I fucking hated it. Like I <laughs> I'm so pissed off that I wasted that time and I, I can't I there was zero redeeming quality. I fucking hated it. 
it does drag on because it is 75% of just them walking through the jungle to well, the then, most intense they stop, action music ever. And then they stop and they do hand signals and then they ready break and run off. That happens 20 times. <laughs> That's a good Good point too, Mike. Because the soundtrack to this movie is oh, awesome. That's like, a wrong word. <laughs> I, I want this on special edition vinyl from Mondo or Death Waltz. No, or you don't. Like, you know, <laughs> I do. I hope they're not listening. The synth. If they listen to this <laughs> podcast, guys. Listening. First of all, I'll plug the shit out of you if you give me free stuff. And second of all, <laughs> put out the soundtrack to Robo War, please. I bet you'll plug them. Because <laughs> oh that 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 like pounding synth music, and then the the combination of pound yeah pounding, <laughs> and then the weird and I don't think they were written for this movie, but what the fuck bands were they using? There has to be found music, those yeah. rock songs that are playing, but it's nothing I've ever heard of before, mm-hmm. like. Is it a, like, did Bruno Mattei have a buddy who was in a rock band, like a bar band, and they're like, can, we, can you write a couple of songs for my movie? Like, where did that come from? <laughs> they're probably rip-offs of uh, some <laughs> some pop rock song, man. And it's, it's not even entirely appropriate to the movie. It's just, oh, no. It just adds to the fun. And I could see where Terry and Jason, you're like, this would be a lot more fun with a group. Mm-hmm. A lot more fun with the group, definitely. But I, I enjoyed the shit out of it, even just watching it by myself. <laughs> oh, my. Oh, my. Well, okay. I just want to bring this one up real quick, too, because we you know, keep talking about how Bruno Mattei has ripped off aliens over and over again, but that is not any more apparent than, than in the movie Shocking Dark. That some of that some of Shocking Dark is literally shot for shot aliens. But the thing the funny thing is it was it was uh one of the alternate titles is Terminator Two. <laughs> yeah. Well <laughs> Well because it stops being an alien ripoff ten minutes before the end and turns into a Terminator knockoff. Mm, yeah, I guess. But go oh, suddenly we've time traveled and we're naked. Yeah. But there's that scene. Oh. <laughs> there's that scene where they're looking at the they're looking at the little device that's telling them where the where the um, robots are or whatever, and the beeping's getting louder and faster, and they're just it's that that game over scene, you know. Uh, it it is literally it shot for shot that scene from Aliens. I, they do the like, same thing in Zombies the Beginning. Oh, do they really? Oh, absolutely. Oh, man, I really need to see Zombie the Beginning. <laughs> no. So bad. I was... I, I didn't re-watch it for this episode. Shocking Dark, I watched one of the last times John was up here. Uh, yeah. So we watched it together, but we were chit-chatting over it. But I was so... Dis- I, I was so... Yeah. <laughs> I was so disappointed in the monsters. Like, you never get to see them that much, and what you yeah. do get to see is really lame. And, you know, I was talking earlier about how much I love monsters in Italian monster movies. And they just didn't cut it for me. Like, I, it, it didn't really connect with me as an awesome Italian ripoff, just kind of a dull one, until it became Terminator at the end. And it's like, oh, now it got goofy. <laughs> <laughs> cool. 
Not really. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Any other Italian ripoff movies we wanted to discuss? Oh, of course. <laughs> <laughs> let's just bri- let's just have Brian take over the rest of the episode. Um, I would. Did, I don't think it's anywhere streaming, and I'm pretty sure the only way you can get it is through the Maya Video DVD. But has anyone here seen Alien from the Deep? AKA Alien from the Abyss. No, and I I had that on the list. I was hoping to get a chance to watch it and I couldn't find it. Yeah. It's I really like that one. And I think if if anyone had got a chance to watch it, it would probably have wound up being one of the better received ones. Maybe not to the level of quality of uh, House on the Edge of the Park, but <clears throat> it was uh, directed by a guy named Antonio Margariti and he uh he did a lot of like Italian Star Wars knockoffs as well, but he initially, before he went just full-on directing movies, he was also primarily a special effects guy. So, the <clears throat> he he tends to make more ambitious rip-off movies than a lot of his compatriots, and the effects work in them is generally really good, and this one is no exception. Now, the the basic story is there are a couple of environmentalists heading for a small volcanic island to investigate the activities of a company called Echem. Um, they're, they're dumping toxic waste into a live volcano at the center of this island, and it's giving off all these insane energy signatures. It, it winds up... Uh, they don't fully explain it, but they... It somehow... It either attracts or knocks off course an alien ship because of the bursts of radiation that are being shot up out of this volcano. And they wind up on this this chemical plant uh, site fighting this enormous cybernetic alien creature. Now, the reason it's called Alien from the Abyss is it came out in 1989, so it was also trying to... It was, it's cashing in on two James Cameron movies. It's cashing in on Aliens, obviously, and it's also cashing in on the Abyss. It has very little to do with either, but at the end of the movie, there is a full-on power loader knockoff sequence where the heroes have to fight the the alien that finally makes its full because it's <clears throat> it can swim and tunnel underground so you only see it in parts throughout the movie digging through the miniature set of this ecam plant and the miniature work because of margariti's background as an effects director there there are bits here and there that don't work but for every shot that doesn't there are two that look as good as anything that came out of Toho Studios in their heyday. I mean, there is some really genuinely good special effects work in this movie. But at the end of the movie, the alien finally comes up and makes its full appearance, and if they couldn't beat Cameron in quality with the Queen Alien by Cthulhu's wriggling beard, they were going to beat him in quantity. And they have a full-size mock-up of this thing. It's like a marionette that they must have run off a crane or something. And it is easily twice the size of the Queen Alien that Stan Winston built in Aliens. I mean, when they fight it, because 
they don't have a power loader. What they use is a payloader machine. You've seen payloaders before on construction sites, those articulated tractor things with the bucket on the front. That's what they fight it with, and it's... I mean, this alien puppet has to be 30 feet tall. It's fucking huge, and it's really there moving around in a very limited capacity, obviously, but there on the set for them to fight with this real, actual payloader. And uh, <clears throat> Antonio had to hire a Filipino effects crew to build him the alien. Uh, his son, Eduardo, who was his effects director for a lot of his later movies, was actually out on his first directing job, so he couldn't be there to help build the, the alien puppet. So that's that's kind of the reason they give like why it can't necessarily move exactly the way they wanted it to. It was done by people without the, the, the full experience that the Margariti family had. But it, it's really impressive because it's so fucking big, even though it can't move that much. Just the fact that they even tried to do something like that is awesome. And and I think it looks really cool. So, yeah, definitely if if anyone wants to see a great Italian ripoff, <laughs> <laughs> check out Alien from the Deep. It's really cool. Sweet. Sweet. Anything, any others from anybody? Um, nope. Sam okay. had to go. Well, did you, what? Sam had to go. Okay. <clears throat> um, well, I didn't know if you wanted it, because you watched it for the show. You watched Dr. Butcher. Oh. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Can't, <laughs> wait, can't waste that time and not talk about it. I'm just kidding. Oh, I didn't mind it. It wasn't too bad. Movie. Yeah, I, I like I said, I've told you before, like I I've seen a lot of it before, if not the whole thing before, but but yeah, I got to watch it again. I, I, I liked it. It was it was one of the better ones for sure. I just <laughs> it, I so thought sweet. it was neat to have cannibals and zombies in the same movie and yep. kinda crossing genres. It was neat. Some cool gore scenes. Yeah. Like taking that motor to the zombie's face, the boat motor to Got, the zombie's face. You know, face. more boat motor death. You yeah. love that. Motor boat. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good neck slit. Nice spurty neck slit. There one. And one of the best, we have to rewind that like five times to make sure we saw what we actually saw scenes in all of Italian cinema at the <laughs> very beginning of the movie. Yep, I know where you're going with this. <laughs> When that guy who's stealing body parts from the hospital jumps out the window and halfway uh -huh. down turns into a mannequin and when he hits the ground his arm goes spinning off. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I forgot about that. It's uh -huh. like But then back on for the next shot. Yeah. It it's you just can't believe what you just saw cuz it's like I saw that. Why didn't they see that? You could have just if edited I that. Oh, they That's did. A they few just didn't frames care. more. But of what really? How much effort would it have taken to just trim up a few more frames? Yeah. I mean, seriously. <laughs> oh my god. But yeah. it is. An, it is an awesome movie. It's so crazy. Doctor Butcher, MD, also known as Zombie Holocaust. But it had like the the American trailer was like the coolest. Doctor Butcher, MD. You pray he doesn't make house calls. 
<laughs> you should do more voiceovering of trailers. I should. <laughs> should. <laughs> uh, crap myself. <laughs> oh yeah. The only thing. The only thing that disappointed me about that movie is I. You, you just kind of. You're hoping for like. A nice big battle between the zombies and the cannibals. You don't really get that. For the most part, they just kind of coexist. So, but it's okay. It's still still an awesome movie. It's glorious. Yeah, blonde lady loves getting undressed. Mm-hmm. She does that a lot. Yeah, it wasn't bad. Wasn't there also a very similar bit to that in um, Hel- and Matei, going back to him again, in Hell of the Living Dead, where the, the the blonde woman does the whole, like, I am your golden goddess oh, shtick? Totally, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> oh, yeah. Yeah, it that was, was the one where... Ex- oh, sorry, go ahead. Just where she's like, the the they, they you know, sacrifice her as the goddess of stock of acting against stock footage because she's the only thing that they filmed in that scene. Everything else is just fucking stock footage. Ursula Andrus got to do the same thing in uh, Mountain of the Cannibal God. Mm, Yeah. What what, starring Stacy Keach. That's right. Yeah. Um, Hell yeah. That's a good movie. Yeah, it is. Mm -hmm. Um, What when I saw this one on the list, <laughs> I, I was almost confused because yeah, it steals from so many things. What, what, what individual thing, or was there an individual thing that you were including it because it was a ripoff of? Because it you know, steals from all the cannibal movies. It steals from Fulci's zombie. Yeah, probably primarily. Probably just that. I mean, again, when I when I came up with this title, I struggled thinking of some titles off the top of my head so I did a I did a Google search just typed in Italian ripoff movies and I found a few lists and for some reason Dr. Butcher kept showing up on these lists so I'm just like oh well you know I'll include it and I think it was also too for like those those of us on this show I'm not going to mention Jason or Terry's name what? that aren't as as versed in um these these type of movies as we are that this one would have been one that I feel like that they could they could get through compared yeah, to it'd be a little more palatable because it, yeah. it is a lot of fun. I mean, it's yeah. this one is not nearly the slog some of these are. It's you're, yeah. you're absolutely right. It is yeah because I recognize that the, not these movies are definitely not for anybody. So oh now he says it. <laughs> when I was going through my uh, my movie shelf looking for like. Okay, I gotta w- watch Doctor Butcher again because it's been a while. It's like fuck. Where's my Blu-ray? And then I realized that I had loaned it out to our newest Patreon supporter, Jacob McLaughlin. Mm. <laughs> Hi, Jacob. Give me my damn movie back. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh crap. I guess I'm not gonna watch that one. Mm. Are you sure? Are you sure it wasn't under Zombie Holocaust? Well, no. The the Blu-ray I have is under it's Zombie Holocaust. Oh, okay. It's the. Uh, I forget what company put it out, but it's the—it's not the most recent. It's the second to most recent Blu-ray release of it. <laughs> okay. I think I still have my VHS of this one too, when it was still when it was called Doctor Butcher, MD, 
And again, yeah, it was a Paragon release as well. Do, do we do we both have the same big box version of it? No, mine's a, mine's a standard box. It's not the big box. That's awesome. I didn't know they had a big box of it. That's cool. Indeed. Lucky. All right. Well, any honorable mentions before we move on? Or, in this case, dishonorable mentions? That's right, and no. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> okay then <clears throat> alright so um, with that said then we're going to take a quick break and when we come back it'll be segments time here on Attack of the Killer Podcast good evening it's intermission time our service is friendly and quick you'll find hot dogs, hamburgers, pizza your favorite candies hot and cold beverages and other delicious snacks and to your fun of watching the movie. Visit our refreshment stand right now. We're glad to have you with us tonight. We hope you'll come to see us often. It's great to get out to the movies. Hey, horror fans. This is Mike, one of your troop leaders over at the Horror Scouts podcast. I, with my co-hosts Brian and Nick, want to invite you to check out our show. We post new episodes every Tuesday and alternate between movie reviews and general discussions about horror. So whether we're handing out merit badges for things like writing, directing, and gore, or just talking around the campfire, we'd love for you to join us. Head over to HorrorScouts.com for more info and subscribe to us on iTunes by searching Horror Scouts Podcast. You can also find us, along with all the other awesome shows on the Phantom Podcast Network at DownrightCreepy.com. And if you prefer social interaction over spending time with the bodies hidden in your shed, reach out to us on Instagram and Twitter with at horror underscore scouts. So grab your headphones and wrap a bloody bandana around your neck. It's time to sign up and be a horror scout. Badasses, Boobs, and Body Counts is a weekly podcast that discusses grindhouse and exploitation cinema. Your three hosts, Mike. It's a quick. <laughs> Thank you. Come again. Not racist at all. Mark. If you bend over and you have what is essentially a pubic cottontail coming out of the crack of your ass, you need to do some goddamn grooming. And listener favorite, Iris. I do not have sex with that horse. <laughs> <laughs> will make you question your own political correctness while laughing at theirs. Episodes drop every Sunday and can be found by searching BB and BC Podcasts via Lipson, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play Music, and iHeartRadio. You can also listen to episodes directly from the show's website at badassesboobsandbodycounts.com. Hey everybody, this is Wayne. This is Zip. Lori. Brian. Doug. And we're the Necronomicast, a weekly horror podcast brought to you by us, horror fans for you, horror fans. We talk about movies, books, celebrity interviews, your mom. (laughs) I don't know what you want me to say. (laughs) Necronomicast. We also talk about streaming movies, new movies, as well as news in horror. And that's just a sample of what you'll get on the Necronomicast. <laughs> Do we say horror movies? <laughs> visit us at Necronomicast.com. Also visit us on Facebook. And on iTunes and all that. Necronomicast. Uh, we'll scare the shit out of you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Visit uh-huh. us at Necronomicast.com for more madness and horror and blood. We're good. <laughs> How are you? <laughs> And we're back. And now it's segments time here on Taco Killer Podcast. And as always, we start off with some shout-outs. It's time for... Shout-outs! 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 Alright, what's up everybody? Just asked what's your favorite Italian horror film that rips off an American film and had some good answers on the Facebook. First up, we got Chris Hall. He says, Cruel Jaws is just awesome. Best Jaws ripoff of the time. It's a bold statement because there's so it many. bold. I can't argue it because I haven't seen it. You don't know Cruel Jaws? Anybody That's the one Jaws? that was also known as Jaws, Jaws 5. 5. Are you going to try to see it? I want to. I mean, like, c- coming up with this episode, doing the research and stuff is really revigorated me in in italian italian shock cinema so i kind of want to <laughs> i kind of want to keep going anyway uh, all right up next we got dave bowen he says shocking dark bruno oh. Mattei rips off multiple big budget american sci-fi franchises terminator and alien chief among them and gives us the amazingly quotable line of make a move and we're really gonna screw you wicked <laughs> <laughs> Yep. Yeah, even the, the cover alone is like oh, so Terminator. It's, blatant it's Terminator. Awful. Straight up. Next up, we got Derek Johns. He says, can't wait for this. Uh, not sure of any except for The Last Shark. Uh, the last show was great. Loved hearing Justin again. He should come back. There's always room for one more. Couldn't agree more. That's right. Uh, be sure to write him. Let him know he needs to come back. Yes. What else? Let's start a campaign. Ooh, more campaigns. All you people, all you fans out there of the show, all you Justin (laughs) Beamaholics, all you all you believers. (laughs) Wait, that doesn't work. (laughs) Beg them to get him back so they they can kick me off and not hear my bullshit anymore. We need more bullshit. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, tag him. Get him back on. All right, Uh, Pete. Huck says Holocaust 2000 from 1977. Great oh, movie. Nice. See, and I, I kind of stayed away from like the more sci-fi or uh, Mad Max rip-off films. Just because they're not really horror, but uh, um, it's definitely a good one. Is it a good one? Okay. okay. Uh, Jack Christensen says Fulci was the master of American rip-offs while zombie... Is better known is the better known film. It's actually a sequel to Dawn of the Dead and not a ripoff. The Beyond, on the other hand, is a more straight up ripoff of The Shining, and is probably his best whoa. film. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Did you not? What do you What do you think of that statement, Brian? Never... Other than the Other than the fact that there is a hotel involved, I don't see any similarity at all to The Shining, but. Hmm. Mike's yeah, playing it through. He's either. playing it back right now. It's the- called the Shinnin Boy. <laughs> Do you want to be sued? <laughs> What's the hotel room number that they oh. go into in um, 
the Beyond. It's not the same it's as two, the three, one It's 237, isn't it? What? I'm just kidding. It's 237. Whatever. That's probably 666. Yeah, it probably is. <laughs> huh. Yeah, never That's... made that correlation. I mean, the scene with the really fake-looking tarantulas eating the guy's face off, I guess, similar to the... Twin the ghost twi- girls. I was gonna say, like two of those tarantulas really look the same. So okay. All right, Jack, you might be crazy. All right. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's you know, it's worth looking into. Yeah, it makes me want to watch it again. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Sean Joy says, "Hell of the Living Dead." Yes, Bruno Batay. It always comes back because it won't go away. <laughs> <laughs> It's like no it's matter how like many creams and ointments you put on it, it just won't go away. <laughs> it's like a venereal disease. Yeah. Yes. It looks like it clears up and it just comes right back. <laughs> Old Thomas Gleba says Enzo Castellari's Great White. I feel I feel like I've seen some of that. <laughs> well, Great White is Last Shark, uh, yeah. right? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Again, so-, so many titles, alternate titles. It gets confusing. Tim Lennerer says, Tim, by the way, that's fucking awesome what you did. <laughs> oh, yeah. To Brian. Very that's, awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. If we I can be part of the next one, you let us know. <laughs> All right. He says, zombie, because of underwater shark fight. Underwater shark fight. Underwater shark fight. Do you remember, was it a car commercial? There was a there was an American TV oh yeah there was an American commercial that used a, used some used a, shots from that scene in Zombie yeah so fucking crazy how crazy is that like primetime <laughs> television Super Bowl commercials there's fucking scene from Zombie, zombie fighting shark I, I thought you were gonna say there's like a poor stuntman dressed up as a zombie fighting a Datsun <laughs> underwater like <laughs> buy our new pickup that wasn't that cool. Thanks, Tim. Up next, we got Steve Vassell. He says, Battle Truck Shark. What? Battle Truck Shark? Well, it's Battle Truck, and then he hits return, and then Shark's oh. on another line. I was going to say, if there's a movie called Battle Truck Shark, and I don't own it, the world is out of <laughs> you balance. You might need to look what into that, because that's all. he just has those three words as his comment. <laughs> hmm. Battle I mean, Truck Shark. You mean, like, Battle there- Shark, or... Like truck shark, shark, shark truck. truck? All, those three words in any combination are amazing. Now there, there is a—it's not Italian, but there is a walking tall knockoff called Rolling Vengeance, where <laughs> instead of a two by four, the Jodan Baker analog has an armor-plated, flame-throwing, drill-tipped monster truck. <laughs> it's basically the same thing, but yeah, but there's no shark in that movie, huh? Well, it's Steve, got Ned, it's got Ned Beatty, but we might have to put a link to something in there, calling shenanigans on what the hell that means. Uh, and then up next, we got Gerald Martin. He says the second Holocaust 2000 as a ripoff of The Omen. How they got Kirk Douglas on that project, I'll never know. Uh, vacation to Italy, all expenses paid. Yeah, that's, that's how. That's how. <laughs> And then lastly on Facebook, we got Dave Felter says, Fulci Zombie 2 is a rip-off slash sequel slash prequel to Romero's Dawn, but a classic on its own that doesn't owe anything. 
how you feel about that? Um, How's that make you feel? Stuff. Yep. I wasn't listening. I'm sorry. All right, and that's uh, shout outs on the Facebook. Let's go over to Twitter and tr- uh, crickets. All right, so no comments over on Twitter, um, but don't, for- don't use Twitter anymore. They do. Maybe we should start a Snapchat. Anyway, we uh, you can uh, always leave your comments. We'll read them on the show. We also have this uh, voicemail line where you can call up and we'll put your voice on the show. You can call at 415-952-6857. Or, same thing, it's 415-95-AOTKP. And that's shout-outs. So there is a movie called just called Shark. Uh-huh. It's a Sam Fuller movie. Okay. So not really Italian. And it wouldn't be a Jaws ripoff because it came out in 1969. And then there is a movie called... There's a movie called Battle Truck from 1982. That is just by looking at the poster. It's most definitely an Italian film. <laughs> <clears throat> Post-World War III futuristic tale of collapsed governments and bankrupt countries heralding a new lawless age. Oh, uh, also known as um, Warlords of the 21st Century. Battle truck. Huh. All right. And there's no truck on the poster, so oh. there you go. All right, Steve, you're off the hook. But, yeah, so I don't know if that's what he meant. If he oh. was, like, literally posting two different titles, but I'm still confused about Shark. If that's if he meant the movie. Because I got to thinking about it. It's like, there is a movie called Shark, and I thought it was Sam Fuller, so it doesn't really fit with mm-hmm. what we're talking about. But unless he missed a word when he wrote Shark. Maybe he meant to type Last Shark. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> we may never know. All right, so uh, moving on. Um, next up, we got the man, the myth, the legend. We got Insane's Picks. Alright, so this episode of Attack of the Killer Podcast for Insane's Picks, I, um, I was going to have something to go with the episode because like how easy is that and then i thought it would be like too easy of course then again i thought for sure if i pick an italian ripoff movie to do as in saints picks it ended up probably getting talked about at some point during the episode so i didn't even go there so i went with uh um a movie a movie that i love a fred Olin ray movie that i love that i watched again recently so it's been at the t- on the top of my mind and that is 1985's biohazard um, nice. Yes. Biohazard is a sci- science fiction horror film produced, written, and directed by Fred Olin Ray. Now, I'm a huge Fred Olin Ray fan, you know, and Fred Olin Ray's done movies like Scalps, Hollywood Chainsaw Hookers, Evil Tunes, um, and then more recently, like Dire Wolf and Super Shark. Um, uh, Biohazard stars Aldo Ray. You may know him from like Don't Go Near the Park, Star Slammer, Prison Ship. Um, Angelique Pettyjohn, who is in Mad Doc's Mad Doctor of Blood Island. Um, so Biohazard is is about an alien monster that is set free by the government, accidentally set free by the government, 
and uses a woman with psychic with uh, psychic abilities um, to try to take over the world. And watching this movie again, it, it really reminds me, Jason, and you would you would know what I'm talking about when I say it's very. It reminds me a lot of Direwolf because there's a the scientist in that has a psychic connection to the monster in that movie too. Mm. So. Interesting that he uh, all these all those years later returns to that theme. Um, the monster is the design of the monster is really cool looking. It really looks like a, a poor man's um, H.R. Giger reject type of thing. Um, giant insect looking rubber monster suit, uh, but I wouldn't say giant because the monster was played by Fred's Fred's own son um, Chris who was like 10 years old at the time. And so the, sh the monster is just is uh, really short and does not move around very well because he, the Chris could not see in the costume. So there's scenes where he's attacking people and his arms are just kind of flailing around, hoping he's hitting the, uh, the person he's attacking. <clears throat> um, and Chris himself, who had spent a lot of time on his father's film sets, would grow up to be a director in his own right. Uh, Biohazard has, for me, the greatest bad ending to a movie in cinema history. That's bold for you. It is bold. And I'll set it up for you. And I don't mean like an unhappy ending, you know, that whole that whole thing, you know, like, you know, like Night of Living Dead, such a downer ending, and I love it, that kind of thing. No, I'm talking about just bad endings, okay? So, um, Petty John... Spoiler alert, by the way. Uh, it's in the climax of the film where um, Petty John reveals herself to be one of the aliens. And as she is ripping her flesh off and re revealing her alien true self and another amazing alien puppet, uh, it cuts back to our hero who is watching her transform in disgust. When all of a sudden you can hear Fred say, off camera, you can hear him say, Cut! And the actor breaks character and says, that's it then. And then the film cuts to credits. That's how Whoa. the movie ends. What? Yep. That's how the movie ends. Whoa. So instead of filming an... You can an do that? What's that? You can do that? Apparently. <laughs> wow. So instead of filming an actual ending to his film, he ends up padding his hour and 25 minute running time with outtakes during the credits, making the credits like about 10 minutes long. <laughs> so, yes, Biohazard from 1985. It's Fred Olin Ray goodness, cheapness at its best. Highly recommend checking it out. And those end credits are so much fun. <clears throat> oh, yeah, there's a lot of... Because they feature a song and some appearances from Rockabilly and uh, Cheapo Horror Movie legend, Johnny Legend, as well. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've never been that versed in Johnny Legend. I've always kind of wanted to learn more about the guy, and I've just never dug that deep into it. Because uh, I only, I know the guy from just some, um, some, like, he's written a couple columns back in the day in Fangoria Magazine, uh, he appeared as a zombie in Bride of the Reanimator. And he kind of co-hosted an episode of a British show that I used to love called um, Incre Incredibly Strange Creatures. Or not Incredibly Strange Creatures, Incredibly Strange Film Show. Sorry. Um, 
it was a it was a BBC show that each episode spotlighted like you know a B movie director or actor, and they did an episode on it was like a dual episode on Aztec mummy movies and Santo movies, and Johnny Legend was kind of the co-host of that. Oh, and also Johnny Legend shows up on um, as like a. Uh, uh, he interviews um, Jack Hill at the uh, re-release of Spider Baby for the original DVD release of it in an interview yeah. that he did with him. So Which he, is still the release of that movie that I have. I oh. have not upgraded to any of the Blu-rays or anything. I've yeah, still me got neither. that old DVD. Yeah, it's a good DVD, but yeah, I haven't upgraded it either. And that's all I really know about Johnny Legend. So he kind of always just come across to me as just like, a guy who is who is famous for really being into that type of cinema. Yeah, and I, I don't have any of his records or anything either. It's kind of the same way for me. Like, when he shows up, I recognize him. I know who he is. Um, but, yeah, he's... I, I, I don't... I, I guess know that much about his background either. Yeah. Well, you know more than I do. I didn't realize he was in a rockabilly band. I mean, it makes total sense, but... Because he's... Uh, there's a movie with... It's Karen Heigl's first movie. Uh, D- Randy Quaid is in it. George Takei's in it. I want to say it's not bugged. It's I'm drawing a blank, but it's a killer bug movie from the '90s that was a straight to VHS thing. And he's in, and his band is in it as like the house band of this bar where this town oh, wow. is being attacked by this mosquito monster and stuff. So nice. yeah, he, he's a musician too. And so, uh, yeah. He's just one of those guys, like, whenever you see him pop up, it's like, oh, cool, Johnny Legend is in this. But that song that's playing over the credits in Biohazard is is him. That's awesome. That's a good song. I like that. I like that song. There's a... (laughs) I don't know if you remember there being a a chain of pawn shops called Mr. Money. I think they've been bought up by something else, and they've gone away many, many years ago. But there, there was one here in Mason City who me and my friends were known enough that when whenever we'd go in there the type of thing we were looking for at one point we went in and uh the manager of the store is like oh you know somebody just sold us this giant like three by four by three foot box of their old vhs collection it was all the type of shitty movies that you guys love but we had to send it to another store, so we took like a two-hour road trip <laughs> to go <laughs> track this box down to another pawn shop. Oh, shit. And Biohazard was one of the movies I bought <laughs> from that cool. road trip, from that box. So, yeah, I got, got a nice little personal connection to the movie. And, it's yeah, it is, it's a very fun movie. Yep, yep, definitely, definitely fun. And there's a scene where uh, Chris Ray, as the creature kind of mirroring the whole Evil Dead uh, Jaws, The Hills Have Eyes poster ripping yep. pissing contest that yep, went I know where you're going with movies. It, yeah. He rips an E.T. poster in half. That, in, that his victim finds in the dumpster. Yeah. yeah, and, the, and his victim's like, this is a nice poster, we need to put this on display and just tries to hang it on the side of the dumpster. Because <laughs> he's a homeless guy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, so that wraps up another episode of Attack of the Killer podcast. I want to thank all of you for listening. 
thanks to our Patreon supporters, and also thanks to the Phantom Podcast Network for including us on the network. It is definitely a huge, great honor to be a part of the team. So, um, Of all of the rip-off films out there from all over the world, be it Turkish rip-off films, Bollywood movies, or even right here in our own country with companies such as The Asylum, no one does it better, crazier, or sleazier than the Italians. And one day I hope that directors such as Joe D'Amato, Bruno Mattei, and Alberto Lenzi will be remembered as great Italian artists alongside of Da Vinci or Michelangelo. Maybe someday. I mean, hell, if Trump can get elected president, anything can happen. Talk to you all again soon. Thanks and goodbye. Oh no, could this be the end of... Attack of the Killer!